Hello everyone, I'm Thomas from Daft Punk. Random access memories, Daft Punk. Daft Punk and Thomas Angui from Daft Punk. There you go, Daft Punk. We assume that's Daft Punk under those helmets. Hello everyone, I'm Emmanuel from Daft Punk. Daft Punk mixes of Daft Punk. Daft Punk! Let's get back to the to Daft Punk. It was because of, you know, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Daft Punk! Daft Punk! All right, welcome back to Alive 2021, a Daft Punk podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Andy. I'm Darren. I'm Devin. And we're here nerding out about our very favorite band, might I say thing, in the world. Favorite thing? I I'm, I think it's definitely up there. I can't think of many things I like more than these two French robots. Um, I do like asparagus. Uh, probably not as much as these guys. Have you thought about doing a podcast about asparagus? <laughs> Aspara go into the top. I spare guess I might get into that. Yeah. There, there you go. go. Yeah. It's there. Uh I haven't thought about it. So no. Um uh shapes. Shapes are cool. Shapes make up uh most things. I don't think I like shapes more than Daft Funk. <laughs> no. And you shouldn't. What? I shouldn't. That's nah. some abstract, abstract thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I will say it right here, folks. I do not like shapes more than Daft Punk. It's fair. I a band that. famous for a couple different shapes. Yes. Pyramid. That's one of their most famous shapes. That's one of their big shapes. It's one of, their mo- it's one of Daft Punk's main shapes. Pyramids are not better than Daft Punk. I like pyramids. Like each They're good. Each. They're good. They've been there for a long time. But there's one pyramid that's more important in my life than any of those ones in Egypt, and that's the Alive 2007 pyramid. Can you imagine if they had gone and opened up like King Tut's pyramid and a disco robot came out of that? That would be incredible. <laughs> I think. Can you imagine if the mummy was about a yeah. robot that produced the grooviest noises we've ever heard? That's, um, that's actually a, a, a sequel that I pitched to Brendan Fraser, and it was roundly rejected. It's like, what if you reprise your yeah, you role? You pitched the disco. Discorpion. Discorpion. <laughs> I pitched the Discorpion. And, uh, it's a Disco like Scorpion. Uh, if you're new to the show, this is our second episode. Today we are going to delve into Daft Punk's debut record, Homework. I've got. Uh, I've been researching all week. I've got uh, a report on what the boys were up to around this time. And then we're going to go track by track and talk about the record. Uh, uh, an absolute corker, if I might say so. Oh, yeah. You better believe it. Better yeah. believe it. Hey, can I? Uh, I? I did a little homework. Can I hit him with some some some, some homework? You did a here? little, a little bit oh, of homework. Mark. Hey, folks, before we dive d- dive in, a uh, couple couple things here. Uh, we did. Uh, we got a we got ourselves a little PO box uh, that I want to get get out on the top. So if you got any Daft Punk stuff you want to send us uh, to, to highlight on the show no, or that, anything like that, yeah, that is a uh, P for Daft Punk <laughs> office box. <laughs> Oh, for office. <laughs> uh, but that address is on our social medias and stuff, and that's a thing. And also the other thing, uh, at, the, at the top of the show, if you got a Daft Punk story, experience, obscure facts, something like that, email it to, to Andy at info at alive2021.com. And uh, I, we have been so happy and impressed with that, the outpouring of support we've got for the show so far. We've already gotten some messages from you folks. Uh, we've been in contact with a super fan from Seattle who I think we're going to have come on to the show at some point and talk about his experience meeting Tomas yeah. after the Seattle uh, show and on the 2007 tour, he met him at an after party. We're going to, uh, we're going to talk to him about that. We also got a, a wonderful email uh, uh, from a fan, uh, Will H in North Carolina. 
uh he he wrote us a really great uh message uh he said sometimes i feel like daft punk has saved my life they've served as one of uh as the one thing that every uh everyone has that they're obsessed with they've served as my thing that you know that one thing that everyone has that they're obsessed with that thing that's really good at taking your mind off things when it gets really hard uh he found out about about him when he was 12 he was watching a uh, saturday morning tv uh uh a show called ben 10 and he heard under this episode the beat of harder, better, better, faster, stronger, uh, as they were talking on the show. And he says, "When I, when I say that the hairs on my arms immediately stood up when I heard that melody, I promise I'm not kidding." So yeah. this, this, this twelve, this twelve year old, this twelve year old hearing harder, better, faster, stronger, and it Shout changing out. his life. Um, yeah, that's awesome. Shout yeah. out to I had this uh, this teacher in college this. Uh, writing teacher joe kelly who co-created ben 10 so shout out to my teacher joe <laughs> kelly for introducing this this guy to daft punk that yeah. rules yeah. That that's rules. very 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 cool so look at that look at these connections Devin knows the guy that possibly got harder better faster stronger on this show that changed your life we're making connections all over the place but thank you will your your message is really great that it, it's maybe it's uh, we're not gonna read the whole thing it's very long and in uh, personal i don't want to blow up your spot or anything uh but we it meant a lot to us uh, we also got a review, five out of five Hell stars yeah. on Hell iTunes. Yeah. As many stars as we can get. As many as we can get. Uh, the one guy, Devin, is tall. <laughs> he's not super tall, but he's taller than me. <laughs> one day I hope to be as tall as Devin, but my mom said I'm done growing. That's why I stretch every day so that I can be as tall as Devin. Watch out, Devin. Soon you won't be the only tall guy. <laughs> five stars. Five That's stars. a great review. Great review. Really the best. Review. No um, notes. One of the best. No notes. No notes on that review. Um, but that review, I give it five stars. Five stars out of five. Great. So it's been awesome, you know, hearing from people that are into what we're doing, uh, and we're just. I think we're gonna. I don't know. Keep fucking doing it. Yeah, let's just keep going. Yeah, let's talk about those two French. You guys want to get into this? Uh, this uh, dude this episode. I real bad. I real bad. Really, right. I really love bad. This record, man. Oh my gosh. All right, here we go. Uh, we're gonna start with the history part, and then we'll get to the track by track listen of the uh, album. Classic, classic, pulling us in with the history, and yeah. then and then making us hear the grooves. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna pull you in close with the history, and then I'm just gonna blast yeah. you with them grooves. Yeah, you better, you better, buddy. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I titillate you with a story <laughs> I wrote about two teenagers in France, and then I just fucking blast you with those two. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, Pedro Winter was a student in law school in 1996 when he met two aspiring mu musicians who had built excitement around their first EP, The New Wave, and were deciding just how to proceed. Winter himself had stumbled across the Parisian rave scene a few years prior, and he'd begun, uh, begun uh, dabbling as a DJ, producing tracks under the stage name Busy P. Tomas Bangalter and Guimán de Homan Cristo were charmed enough with Winter to ask him to manage their burgeoning career. Uh, so he's just like a student in law school. He, he doesn't have anything going on for him, but they liked him. They connected with him. Uh, and Winter, uh, who goes on to found the hugely influential da dance music label, Ed Banger Records, which you might know from, oh, yeah. I don't know, fucking Justice. Cassius. I don't know. I don't know fucking Cassius. Ooh, I don't know. I don't know. You might know Ed Banger Records from, I don't know, fucking changing the game. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, so he founds Ed Banger uh, later. But uh, at this point, 
approached by uh, 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 by these two teenagers. He's like, yeah, I'll manage your career. He says, yeah. He had no idea. These boys were about to unleash a debut record that would uh, set them on the course for pop music royalty. For that matter, Thomasan Giman didn't quite understand just how much their music was already inspiring folks around the world. Even before Homework was released, ta- uh, tracks like Defunk and their Chemical Brothers remix Life is Sweet were making the rounds and rave scenes all across the globe. Uh, even though almost nothing was known about these two young French musicians, a demand for more Daft Punk was already starting to build. Uh, so this is one of those tracks that kind of started to get them on the scene. This is uh, Chemical Brothers' Life is Sweet, but it, it's the Daft Punk remix. Oh. Oh. So, so we heard that New Wave stuff last week. You could already hear, hear them like smoothing, oh, yeah. out, like smoothing out those noises, taking off some of that reverb. Uh, and and making it just crispy. Yeah. I love that. Getting in the realm of that little filtery disco yeah, that this, I love to hear. This, even though even though the new wave eventually becomes alive, the homework track, this sounds more homework than even that yeah, track. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds cleaner. It sounds more professional. And it's fucking awesome that these two kids are already being asked. This was this was um, this was Chemical Brothers approaching them and saying do you want to remix one of our tracks off our album? And that like, that's incredible. So they're already, um, they're already getting, gaining notoriety. They're already getting asked to, to collaborate with people. I, in 1996 or five uh, to get approached by the chemical brothers and be asked to, to remix one of their songs. That's, that's like, you know, you're approaching big name status already. They haven't even released an album. That's great. I can't believe the Chemical Brothers have been around since '89. Yeah, that is yeah. wild. And and like consistent, uh, we could do a we could do a Chemical Brothers. I know podcast. we really could. Uh, we might. Uh, Chemical Brother, uh, 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 if you're listening out here and you're a huge Daft Punk fan and you don't know a ton about dance music, uh, just give your do yourselves a favor and get into Chemical Brothers. Um, because boy oh boy, I always think of uh, Dig Your Own Hole as being the the, that's the place where I found the chemical yeah. but man they had years before that That's that, yeah. they rock another band I've seen that I can't wait to see again they're great I, I, I love them yeah uh, at this point the two were already striking out on their own as well so Bangalter had launched his own record label Roulette in 95 uh, which uh, he announced with an EP called Tracks on the Rocks the Home on Christo's solo work under the name La Nightclub started when he and Eric Chedevier Maybe <laughs> Eric Chedevier, maybe close, uh, aka Rico the Wizard, uh, who went on to become Daft Punk's artistic director. They met and, and started um, uh, their their um, record label, Crydemore. Uh, but we are going to dedicate entire future episodes to their side projects and solo work. So I'm going to save more on that for later. But they're like they're already gaining traction as Daft Punk and they're already striking out on their own making stuff with DJ Falcon and, and Eric Rico the Wizard so um, yeah they're like they're they're doing it that's funny if you have a solo project called Together <laughs> my, my solo project <laughs> Together um, which yeah uh, if you're you know you even if you don't know Tomas's solo work you know Together from The Closer on Alive 2007 
in what would eventually become a theme throughout their career, Tomas and Guimán, uh, they pled ignorance about their budding influence within the dance music industry. So they, they when they're asked about this around this time, they're they're just they say they're just too busy, sequestered, working on the upcoming album. Uh, they say they don't they don't worry about what folks are around the rave scene are saying. Uh, this is a quote from uh, an interview they gave with music journalist Harris Rosen. We don't uh, we don't realize uh, that we don't realize that much when we're in Paris. So it's really surprising to get here in the States and everybody's after you saying that they like the record. Uh, the only thing that we can say is that we're excited and it's very satisfying to see people that have influenced us. Uh, we meet them and they like our stuff too. So this, this was from um, Miami uh, winter music conference, uh, which they they've rounded it around. It's the week before ultra music festival in Miami and more than being interested in going to Ultra again, I want to go down there for the music conference because that is – it's a week where people in the business go and throw parties and, like, have conferences and talk about strategy and, and like, you know, getting big in the world, like the business of house music. That shit sounds very interesting to me. I would totally – They should go. let me strategize about house yeah, music. Le- yeah, let us – let us host a panel at WMC next year because obviously we're blowing up. I have some incredible strategies. I have, I have some of the most incredible strategies that these people have ever thought about. You know, they're, they're too focused on the beats. Let us, the podcasters with a, a limitless audience, let us strategize for you. Um, so the, the boys are finding out that their influences are starting to be influenced by them. So I found this clip of Tomas talking about their creative process uh, from an interview in 2013. So this is kind of more of an, uh, an retrospective, but I think it's a really interesting window into how they view artistic endeavors. Over the course of their career, they have moved at their own pace, even as demand for more and more Daft Punk rises around them. Uh, but even at this stage in their career, before the re- release of their first proper album, uh, Daft Punk was already in demand, but they wanted to do it their way. It's a uh, it's a very selfish, yet uh, a, a, a respectful. Uh, it, it, it's the way we f- we found the, mo- the most uh, the most uh, respectful and 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 full of integrity uh, a, a relationship we can have to an audience, especially because the the, the relationship is is quite abstract in our case. So we we are we are we are it's it's we're only trying to to do things that we. We find exciting and interesting, and 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 then we share it with the audience, and we 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 give the audience the complete freedom to either appreciating it or or, or not. That is a really awesome way to look at things to me. To it be admittedly selfish about the art you want to make, uh, that makes that makes sense to me because you're not gonna produce something you're proud of if you don't yourself like and enjoy it you know i think that there's a lot to be said about about the way the way that 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 quote describes music i i i mean so so i think so often people who are creative and artistic get branded as jacks of all trades because they're just people who want to create stuff uh and in order to feel confident in the area they'll eventually excel in they have to prove to themselves that they could do a little bit of everywhere you know so we 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 often get 
people finding their form or their style way, 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 way later. And so it's, it's cool. Again, to, this is what, what year is this? I mean, this is, this is obviously homework era quote. So it's, well, uh, no, that was, that was from 2013. Oh, I'm he's sorry. talking about his, yeah. Uh, he's talking about, uh, later on. Uh, yeah, but this is, you know, he was talking about, about. them, them pursuing th- their art selfishly. Yeah. And that, that's, that's what they've been for, since the beginning. Right. Um, and we will uh, next week's episode is going to be all dedicated to the videos from this from the homework era. We're not really going to touch on those this week. I wanted to separate them, but uh, again, that was something that they were passionate about. They wanted to pursue their music. They wanted to pursue video in in directing in movies, and and they found a way to learn and grow from some really talented people. Their whole art career has been about learning how to do something they want to do and then producing their own version of it. Back home, though, the boys understood that they they had to capitalize on their growing success at this point. Uh, Bangalter said at this time, people are just asking and asking and asking for the, the record. Some people were waiting for it. We were quite lazy, so at some point we just said, okay, we gotta get our. We gotta do our homework, and that's where they come up with the name of the record. They gotta go. They gotta go back into the beat lab, do their homework, and get something together that they're proud of. The homework, though, needed to be done in more than just that bedroom recording studio. After the release of the new wave on the small Glasgow-based record label Soma, it quickly became apparent that Daft Punk had already outgrown their first home. Uh, after the new AVP, Daft Punk releases Defunk on a single. Uh, from Soma, and they also follow that up with uh, Indo Silver Club as a single, and things are really heating up at Soma. Uh, a Soma employee from this time was interviewed in the film Daft Punk Unchained, and she says, we eventually just had to stop answering our phone, hello, Soma Records, and we started saying, hello, Daft Punk, because the demand was so great. So these people in this office just like... They have other projects going, and at this point, they're just solely focused on Daft Punk because it it has outgrown this little record record label, um, which is crazy. It is. It's wild. You forget that Defunk is a single before Homework. Right. You, know, you forget that, that that predates the record because it shapes twice. so much of the record. Right? Yeah, so twice even. So they yeah. it was released as a single in Soma, and then it's released as a single – from Virgin before homework comes out, and that's what really blows up. Um, uh, that's that's when they do uh, Charlie the Dog video, and Spike Jones is involved, and it's like blowing up on MTV. Uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's funny that that I don't know. That's just a song you associate with them so much from this era, yeah. and it comes out twice before the album does, and then <laughs> that is the through line of the album. Yeah. I mean, they basically play those samples and those chunks like three or four times throughout the record, right? Um, so, uh, Defunk, uh, or sorry, <laughs> Daft Punk, who f- produced the song Defunk, uh, started looking for a record label to produce their debut album. Uh, but the boys knew exactly what they wanted and they weren't going to rush into a quick co- uh, contract with the first comer. I think this clip here uh, that includes the quote with which I opened last week's show shows a lot about, uh, the duo's vision. Uh, again, it's from, uh, the BBC's Zane Lowe interviewing them in tw- uh, 2013. 
control is not something you ultimately gain. You either uh, 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 keep from the start, or, or, or you or you don't. You know, mm. if you take a filmmaker like Quentin Tarantino, uh, from the first m- movie he did, he, he he decided to do the most personal stuff, and he kept that control. Mm. It's really a misconception to feel like artists will be able to gain back a certain amount of control if this control has been somehow compromised along the way. Mm. So regarding your question about how do we create this, this, this bubble, because of the, the anonymity and the, and the, and the way we, we usually function, uh, it's, it's actually easier to do just be, because we're not really operating in the, in the spotlight in the first place. Man, I gave them chills. Yeah. They, knew, they knew what they wanted, yeah. uh, and they made that happen. Because um, you think about how, how many specifically musicians uh around 20 21 years old have something in them that is going to catch on and they uh they let like like this is this is almost exactly what um that tom hanks movie uh, that thing you do is about right these kids are talented they have something in them that is going to hit and we, you watch the record label push them into this and make them do these shoots that they, they don't want to do and, and do the videos in a way they, they're not happy with. And it kind of crumbles all around them. These these two kids knew that they did not want to be told what pictures they had to pose for or what interviews they had to do or what their videos should look like or what their labeling, what their branding should look like. They didn't want any help with that stuff. And they knew that from the beginning. That's like... That's ballsy. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, I don't know. I, 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 part of me wants to, to to make the comment that, like, I mean, did you think some of that attitude comes from being more more comfortable? I mean, in your in your life setting, because we hungry. Yeah, we acknowledge. You need them. Yeah, I mean, like from a from a like like we acknowledge that they they're pretty well off folks yes. at this point. So yes. I mean, I, I don't know. Part of me wants to say, you know. That they were comfortable. They, they were had comfortable, comfortable enough life. to not feel like this is their one shot and they had to do anything it takes. They were comfortable enough to say, I'm not looking for a shot. I'm looking for, I want to make this thing I want to make. Are you telling me it's not a coincidence that um, every Simpsons writer has rich parents? <laughs> <laughs> you, I think that the... the I mean, I, that is actually a coincidence. That is, <laughs> okay, okay, that is a coincidence. Okay. <laughs> it is, I mean, it is, it would be very interesting to hear what this record would look like if they, if they were, were pushed desperate into it. Yeah. to prove something. I agree. That's yeah. a great point. Yeah. And, um, and we, I don't we, think we that's a, be talking you know, about I, it I if, don't if, think that that is a negative mark on the boys at all. I mean, what do you want from an artist? You want them to take their situation. You want them to communicate their truth in the way they want to do yeah. it, honestly. And, and you know what? I'm not mad at them for, for having money to be comfortable. I'm not. Because yeah. obviously, it, it, they took whatever position they started from and they wrote it as high as they could, doing it right. as as exactly how they wanted. And that's noble whether, whether you want to... Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, and, uh, it's impressive. We'll get into because uh, we'll get into it right here. The, the boys simply needed to make sure uh, that they could be in control of everything: the music, the brand, the marketing, the tour schedule, the artwork. They didn't want to just create music. Uh, they wanted to create something wholly unique to them. And as soon as they let the business side of the industry start dictating how they would operate, they knew that they would lose some of that magic. And uh, right here, we mentioned before Tom- Tomas's father. Uh, he was a disco musician and producer in the 70s and 80s under the stage name Daniel Vanguard. Um, but his influence on the duo should be revisited here. 
music journalist and producer CK303, research vanguard while compiling a career retrospective mix for the Dazed and Confused magazine in 2013. And uh, in his piece about vanguards in, um, uh, for that mix, he said this about the boys. He gave Tomas a mini Moog and some other studio equipment that they had used uh, on their earliest recordings, and he certainly helped them navigate the shark-infested waters of the music industry and keep tight control over the business aspects of their career. He thanked them specifically in uh, the homework linear notes or liner notes uh, for his uh, pr for his precious advices, and also received a credit for discovery under the heading of design concept comma art direction so there's little doubt that he was an influence figure uh, influential figure in the uh, background during the early years of their career i also suspect he must have been involved in the early development of their production technique certainly it seems unlikely they uh, they created such a distinctive and utterly professional sound from a little bedroom studio in paris without any input from an experienced record producer who happened to be living in the same house yeah that's yes yeah absolutely and yeah that's awesome Right, you have good. a disco genius in your house. That's awesome. Yeah, I if there's a disco genius in my house, I gotta get him out because I don't know him. That's what my mom always said. Then and we always had disco genius spray under the kitchen sink. Get him out. Of there. And she said you gotta get these disco geniuses out of your house. I wish I wouldn't have listened to her. No, that's that, one I, piece of advice I wish I didn't take from my mom. I, I, I mean, I was lousy with disco geniuses. I I think that there's definitely it is worth revisiting that and talking about it right now because I think that there is you know you know you think of the things that could have stopped Daft Punk early on, right? Like a bad a hit, getting hit by a train, right? Right? right. You know the the obvious getting hit by a uh, train, robotics yeah. not um, working, robotics out. not working out. But I think six year old a power out too, too big of a piece of turkey and choking, right? But I think that the the biggest <laughs> the biggest thing that probably Probably is detrimental to young hungry bands are you know a bad contract um, that gets you uh, it, it forces you to do bad press and change your image uh, and all that stuff and then you know the, the 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 big elephant in the room that we see with a lot of local bands is bad production you know oh, a, a killer live show a killer idea the inability to translate that onto a, a, a platform a recorded platform um, and we've seen that a million times I uh, uh, I found a clip of Guy Lawrence from Disclosure talking to Todd Edwards about Daft Punk's uh, production techniques. And uh, I'm going to save it for the Alive 97 episode because it'll fit more right. in, in with the stuff I'm writing there. But it it is so incredible to hear these two accomplished, famous music people just nerding out of, over these little – these little technical tricks uh, that they used, uh, it's incredible. Like, they do stuff here that had never been done before. And uh, uh, and electronic artists have been trying to recreate the way that they make sounds yeah. ever since. Still to this day, they're like they're, – they're listening to um, how uh, uh, Daft Punk – their vocals in certain points like reverberate yeah. Wah, wah, wah. Yeah. and people 30 years later are still trying to make that sound as organically as that yeah. did here in it, their bedroom it was uh it, it was funny uh, you you sent us that that clip uh about a week ago or two weeks ago or one of you did uh of uh tomas just messing around in somebody's recording studio that he was working on somebody and he's just playing around with the 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 whatchamacallit the vocorder vocorder and you just hear him noodling around and yeah. all of a sudden you hear it come together as around the world around. Yeah, and yeah. it's very cool to just see how 
you know, what is that noise he's noodling around with? And it's like, oh, oh man, that is around the world. Yeah. And that's how he did it. And that's crazy to see. I mean, that, that kind of stuff blows my mind. Uh, I watched, a, um, actually, we'll, we'll get into that okay. during, uh, during uh, um, uh, the funk. But the fast part of the funk being programmed into uh, that, that small... Uh, uh, what the is that? Roland three hundred three. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it's the whatever it is. It's just remarkable how many steps that that. Yeah. How many notes and and weight and and and, and I don't even. It, it's 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 insane to watch that be reprogrammed Folks, into that device. It we are insane. at a point where we're speechless in our praise of Daft Punk <laughs> on a podcast where we're supposed to talk about <laughs> Daft Punk. So things like that. It's it's a hard place to be in when you are struck speechless by the beauty of this music that yeah. you're supposed to be critical critically breaking down so that's where daft punk puts you uh i i'm just excited about putting into words some of my thoughts uh, on these songs uh, that i've never that i've just always like had in my brain so i'm excited to get to the music part yeah. but we got a lot more story to go <laughs> uh there's no, there's no doubt vanguard's experience with the music industry helped daft punk create a vision for their own career and that vision needed total control in order to be executed. Uh, Pedro Winter, who helped the, them negotiate this very unusual deal for their debut record, says in Daft Punk Unchained, they avoided problems uh, other artists have uh, with these record companies. He says that uh, a band in Daft Punk's position would normally sign a deal for like four or five records uh, at some percentage. Instead, as a rookie band, Daft Punk signs with Vir Virgin Records Europe and they were allowed to retain ownership of all recordings while leaving the rights to the record label for 10 years. Which, for like kids that have never made an album, it's just like, how, how why? But they made it happen. Uh, uh, they made it happen. Uh, they were already thinking internationally, said the president of Virgin Europe at the time. They already had a clear vision of their careers. They wanted complete control of the music, the image, everything. So it's around this time that Daft Punk decides to obscure their faces. Uh, in the few interviews they gave before the release of Homework, you see two skinny, nervous young men excited to talk about the music they're creating. On the press tour for Homework, the boys begin experimenting with different masks. They have fancy Mardi Gras style headpieces. They have like black leather gimp suits. They have like a lone <laughs> like Lone Ranger style earpiece or eyepieces at some point. Uh, Daft Punk stickers over their eyes, clear face masks that like mush their heads and obscure their fe features. Really, like anything that could maintain their personal obscurity uh, while their art gain a larger and larger following. This is like the first three Friday the 13th before Jason gets the hockey mask where he like wears a burlap sack and like a right. bunch of other stuff before he figures out what he's going to look like. <laughs> yeah. And this is weird to watch the first th and it's just like a big guy in a burlap he sack. He hasn't figured out that he's supposed to wear a hockey mask. Yeah. These guys they haven't figured out they're supposed to be robots. Yeah. Yet. They haven't figured out they're they supposed to be robots. They have to wear robots. like a bunch of burlap sacks imagine that moment when you figure out you're supposed to be a robot oh jeez oh, oh, i've been supposed to be a robot this whole time it is funny <laughs> like like a 30-year career four albums and a full quarter of your career you are a human and for the like the back half of your career you're a robot and everybody just remembers you as, as that way but yeah, it took them a while to figure out that that's what they wanted to I be. I wouldn't want to be the face of Virgin Records either. Like, <laughs> right. my face is associated with virginity forever. There's, <laughs> there's a, there's a story. There's a story in Daft Punk Unchained from around this time where they, they meet uh, a Virgin Records 
executives in New York. Uh, and Virgin sends a, a, this big, luxurious stretch limo to their hotel. And Pedro is like, all right, guys, let's go in. This is for us. And they're like, no, this is not this is not our style. The Virgin people have us wildly mispegged. So Pedro gets into the stretch limo and like drinks champagne on the way to the dinner meeting. And the two guys hop onto the train, the subway, and go to go to the meeting that way. And they get there like, we didn't want your limousine. Thanks a lot. <laughs> so they, they just uh, – um, uh, Pedro said they just have no interest in in being part of the charade. They didn't want any part of any of that stuff. Uh, this is a clip from an interview they gave on Icelandic TV in 2006, so again a little bit after homework era. Uh, and, and they already have the robot imagery when they're when they're giving this interview. But I think how Tomas talks about the spirit of anonymity is something uh, that they're obviously already uh, developing here in the homework era. Um, I think uh, it was just uh, an idea to come up with a, a a different approach creatively and to create a universe, a visual universe, and, and giving something else. So we. We started to, to, you know, use images of robots, and we thought that it was interesting to separate uh, the the physical image and with the, the creation, and that's really why we wanted to, to try to do things differently like that, and also keep being anonymous was something that we we, we found was interesting. Yeah, and they're already experimenting with that stuff here before they latched onto the robot stuff. So said Pedro Winter in Daft Punk Unchained. The decision to stop showing their faces was made when they decided to go to the top by signing with Virgin with the aim to sell records and conquer pop culture. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, these, like these kids, like they know they know what they want. Uh, it was already a way it was, it was also a way to respect and pay a homage to the history of techno and house music before da- dance acts like Daft Punk elevated house music to the mainstream. It was faceless music. Uh, in clubs, people dance with their backs to the DJ. It doesn't matter. And still to this day, that that is really what it what it is. Like Tiesto is one of the highest paid musicians in the world in any genre. And other than being like really buff, like if I saw him in a Starbucks, I've I've seen Tiesto play like six times. If I saw him in a in a in a uh, Starbucks, I'd be like, whoa, that guy's jacked, and just move yeah. on. It's just yeah. there's so many artists from this era who are like releasing music under like 10 different pseudonyms it's all white label 12 inch releases like nobody's nobody puts their name or face on anything right that was what it was like daft punk is one of the first people to crystallize this sound and movement and like make make it something marketable you know they that was a vision they had they they djs and stuff they didn't they they didn't have a latch to like becoming a brand or a street that wasn't in the zeitgeist yet daft punk figured out how to present this style and this sound and this culture as like a traditional band i think that was a decision oh absolutely too they were they were not interested in that and i i don't know i understand the impulse to not be interested in that but i also feel like you know this kind of music is a very special thing 
why not find a way to bring it to everybody? I, I completely agree. I have zero interest in being elitist about this kind of thing and being like, oh, yeah. techno's my special little thing that I yeah. love. I, I think you know, I bring have... it to everybody. Put it on the radio. That rules. Um, I might have – I have a quote from Tomas specifically about that. I don't know if I put it in this one or a later one. Um uh, so we, we might get to it. We'll see. Sure. Uh, but yeah, he, he was like, I, I don't I don't care uh, if I found this out today or last week or whenever. Like it, it, that's one more person that likes house music. Yeah, that's a good thing that make every single person that it, that finds house music and uh, makes it a part of their life. That's made the world a little bit better of a place. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't get an award for being two years older than someone and having discovered yeah. it a little earlier. Like bring it to everybody. That yeah. rules. I love that and attitude. Like man. I like I like there's the secretive like once you get into house music, there's the secretive of like where's this party people are talking about or yeah. how long can this after hours place stay open before right. everything closes down? And that will always be a part of the culture of house music. And that's great. I love that. But there's no, there's no sense in hiding it from people that are looking for this kind of thing. Uh, I, I think it's every person that finds house music and wants it to be a part of their life. We should celebrate. There's this that. culture of DJs playing music that's unreleased and then no one knows what it is or where it's coming from, and then they'll never tell you. It's almost those like those track IDs. We're never going to get them. It's That's almost a like secret. it's almost like house music is the improv of music, and I've chose I've specifically <laughs> centered my whole life around art that is meant to be thrown away. <laughs> oh man! Uh, so uh, this is a quote from Tomas to uh, music journalist Harris Rosen. Uh, we do we do not want to be pop stars or rock stars or house stars, whatever. We want it to make cool music and we want people to dance. It's not about being ourselves or whatever. Maybe the logo is more of the star. We don't want to be the star. If the music gets more popular and more and more popular and people love it, then eventually Daft Punk in it, of itself, maybe it's a star thing and we can make things push the music forward. Um, so they're already thinking about this stuff. Yeah. It, it's not the robots. They haven't found the robots, but the idea like is the, if the logo can be the star, which again, drawn by Gimon, he's, he does most of the art stuff. Mm -hmm. So that, that like that, that logo is awesome. It's legendary. It's iconic. And that was just drawn on a piece of paper by Gimon as a teenager. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, <clears throat> there's something to, to be, be said about, you know the idea of the, the 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 vehicle to break through, right? To the vehicle to rise above the noise, especially with uh, a first album. I mean, it's not like foreign, especially in you know you you look at like rock and roll bands, and so you look at like Kiss, you look at like yeah. Alice Cooper, you look at Kiss, like you look at like Kiss um, specifically, big big influence on these guys. Yeah, that I was would a say band well, that they, they have their said, own style in France yeah. of Kiss. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. French, French Kiss. Yeah. They've got a whole thing It's like really fa I've, all I'll, right, I'll, all right. I'll tell you guys about it. Could sometime. you imagine if there was a French cover band I'm sure Kiss there is a French Kiss, Kiss band. I'm French sure Kiss. there is. If there they, isn't, you got to give us 5%. <laughs> so so yeah, we made it up. We, for we a while, we called it Freedom Kiss. Yeah. That's why I call it Freedom Touch I do think that that's that like that that there's such a fine line between a, a, a sellout gimmick and a vehicle to rise above the noise and and i will say again like they somehow find it found a way to understand oh, yeah. what they were doing which is the idea is important not the robots yeah. right and the robots is, were a vehicle for an idea it is I, a 
it is a ex- extremely fine line so fine. between Ziggy Stardust yeah. and and Kiss, right? Yeah, it's there, such a like, fine line. And 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 you do it one way and it is over the top and ridiculous and campy and lame and you find that way to do it like Ziggy Stardust or the robots yeah. and it's fucking awesome. Well, when it when it becomes about or gorillas, yeah. gorillas, or gorillas the same right. way. It's fucking awesome. And because it's a whole world that believes itself. You yeah. know, it's it's a whole world that exists in itself and believes in itself. It is not let's go see the 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 let's go see the the gimmick. It's let's go hear the music. And and, and you know, the the robots serve the songs, right? The gorillas, yeah. the all the animations serve the music. It's not the other way around. I love those gorillas. Uh, I, yeah, the gorillas gorillas rock. Yeah. Uh, and I think yeah, Ziggy Stardust serves that's a, a musical. Main opposite things from robots. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's polar opposites. <laughs> you heard it here, folks. The opposite of a robot is a gorilla. That's one of the furthest things you could be from a robot. But it's the same I, with Ziggy Stardust. I mean, the, the 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 gimmick, the character, the world serves the 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 art direction. You know, it serves the artistic direction. And again, it is mind blowing to me that they had this vision. At, at the age they had it, yeah. at the time in their career so that again, they had it. They again, have... the control quote, uh, every time we learn a little bit more, that quote about control just just rings through my head. Yeah. Uh, because... I think it's very cool as a, as, you know, we heard that they, they, they wanted to be stars when they were in Darlin and everything. But to have this idea as like 21-year-olds or whatever, that it would be amazing if we could make the Daft Punk logo a star. Yeah. And they just tweaked that a little bit and got, made robots like four years, four or five yeah. years after this. I think what's, I don't know. I think what's cool about it is also, I think what separates it from something like Kiss is like their that willingness to enjoy. doesn't mean Knights and Satan's service. <laughs> Good Lord. <laughs> their willingness uh, to enjoy. Uh, their willingness to just like dig into dorky and uncool things yeah. you know they're making like anime in the early 2000s and like like robot stuff that's it i think it's very cool yeah. but it's not capital c cool no and, like and, talk oh absolutely that, their entire career is is again they they have their base of of artistic influence was made as though these two watching and listening to stuff as 13 year olds right. And they found all this campy, kind of lame, silly, kitschy shit from the 70s and 80s, and they turned it cool. And, and I think it's, it's crazy important to, again, touch on this idea we've talked about, which is it is not parody. It is earnest. Yeah. It is. They're not making an anime it's film. Not, it's not, not it's right. Not, it's not irony. It's not irony. They it's are they irony are, at all. They are. They are. They love this kind of garbage. Yeah. And they're they're expressing their love for like pop culture, a dispensable pop culture shit from when they were growing up, and they're turning it into something earnest and heartfelt and beautiful and groovy as hell. Yeah, and groovy. Uh, so the, 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 this decision to stay anonymous intended to make the music the star while allowing them to maintain a normal celebrity-free lifestyle had an unintended consequence that maybe held, that maybe kind of helped the band uh, launch uh, into international stardom. The more secretive the boys were, they found the more obsessive media and fans became. 
And we found out that pretty much earlier, early down the line, you know, uh, 15 years ago, uh, by not wanting to, to do a lot of press or interviews, that journalists was, were starting to chase us and chase after us. So it really feels... <laughs> just you like know, the playground. It's, it's, it's just basically the playground is what it is. <laughs> probably, you know, but... Um, but in Why the, won't you talk to us? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's, some, there's something, somehow, you know, it feels like we're like at any, yeah, any family dinner, there's a there's a uh, there's a family member that never speaks and when he speaks you know everybody listens, listens and, and yeah, pay attention yes, and we're filled with yes, yes. that member you know so yes so in some sense everybody kind of respects uh, respects that person i love him thinking about daft punk as the sour old uncle that everybody's just <laughs> way, waiting to say i love that this journalist who is like interrupting him with annoying banter yeah is interrupting him saying, you know, we're the kind of person where it's like, if we speak, everyone listens. And, and he's the journalist like, is like, yeah, you'll, it's you'll like on the like, playground. Yeah. Like on the playground. That's funny. I do. Uh, I love Zane Lowe. He does a lot of good dance music journalism. He is. Yeah, no, he's, he's, he's great. It's just but, funny yeah, in that context. It is also funny to hear somebody come in with like that, that like performative energy. And these guys just like, I want to talk about when they do interviews, they want to talk about something interesting. And, and, right. And you, 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 you give them space to talk. Whereas, like, I think with a lot of people he interviews, he has to bring the energy yeah. to it because they're, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's very funny. <laughs> like, my, my art project is that quiet uncle that everybody's just waiting to say something at Christmas because you know it's going to be profound when he does. Oh, yeah. And here's a sample of it. and throws on freaking, yeah. like, Revolution 909 or <laughs> something like that. Oh, good song. Good so we'll get to it. We'll get they to it. Are, they're uh, we'll self-aggrandizing in a smart oh, way. Oh, absolutely. So uh, uh, that's one thing they about them. They cultivate their air of genius in a really smart way. Yes. I, it's not bullshit. That's the thing. Like, it's not like, look at me, I'm great because I'm trying to convince myself, uh, you know, this is good and the, it's all about the music because I'm trying to convince myself that. They, I mean, again, it's the lack of irony. It's the lack of irony in every yeah. single thing they, they say they about the project, about the music. It is about the music. They do want to talk about about the music they don't want to just mean, do these big you know, explosions or like whatever if 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 they are living with a guy who is a disco producer who is helping them cultivate this image right mm-hmm. but the way we I view don't the know. narrative well, i don't know I, how much well he's he's very secretive too so maybe he had but, he had something to do with it i don't know how much of but, this part he had anything but to, to do my with point that. if they are to, if the narrative that we have is these are two kids in their bedrooms playing around with music but realistically it is them signing to major labels and having this help. Yeah. They've crafted a narrative there. Oh yeah. It's, I mean, that's, a, that's a testament to them that, yeah, that we perceive it this way. Yeah. They're, you know, anything and we know about them is not accidental. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. They, they, it's um, smart. Every, at every absolutely. step. They, yeah, they, they have a good handle on what they want us to know about them. And, you know, over the years we've, we found out a little bit more and more about them. Uh, but yeah, absolutely. They're like, they they have controlled their story in a in a beautiful way because it, it 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 is a good story to to it is two kids making music in their bedroom is it a a, a bedroom in a palatial Parisian apartment uh, bought by uh, a disco genius <laughs> yeah but but still it still happened absolutely uh, so because Daft Punk retained complete control over the project Tomasa Guiman retreated Tomas to Tomasa's childhood bedroom. In Daniel Vanguard's swanky Paris apartment, just like I said, to record the album. Uh, despite Virgin Records repeating, uh, repeated and increasingly aggressive attempts to get the boys in an actual studio. 
Virgin never succeeded. But as it was going on, they wanted more and more to be like, you, we have all this stuff. Please, please use it because we are putting a lot, a lot into this. Uh, we want to make sure it's good. And they're like, no. Uh, so Tomas eventually had to move his bed out of the room to make room for all this, this increasingly large collection of electronic music equipment. Uh, they're just like cultivating this stuff. They're making his room into something. Cr- Can you imagine your son moving his all of his furniture out of his bedroom uh, and and be like, no, 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 we got it, we, we got yes. it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> this room is for something else now. I'll sleep on the couch. I told my parents. Uh, I asked them to take the bed frame out of my room. I'm like, I don't need this. I need <laughs> room for the, my music stuff. Did I, uh, did I have I ever told you guys I had like the most dorm room set up as a as like a 14 year old? No, no, that's awesome. I my uh, my dad and I built a loft. And then I had a futon under that, and that was my childhood That's bedroom. Incredible. <laughs> Having a couch in my room yeah. was something I always wanted. I had a oh fucking couch in my childhood bedroom, and I it was awesome. I had a uh, I had a bunk bed that I took the bottom bunk out of, uh, and I slept up, and I had like stuff underneath it. But you need the bottom bunk for support, <laughs> and that broke. Oh that thing God. fell. That thing that thing like it bowed out on the edges, and it broke. Uh, while I was That's on it, very one day. funny. Thankfully, while I was on it, I, I wanted a couch it. in my room so I could sleep on a couch. And so, like I had the choice, I could sleep in my room <laughs> oh, yeah. or I could take a nap on How, the couch. I, yeah, I absolutely. Slept you know, along. you hear the um, you know, we, we're 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 recording in, uh, in Detroit, Michigan, you guys. Uh, and that's it's funny to to hear the the bedroom story, the take out the bed story, because uh, that's that's a that's a very similar to a, a Jack White story too. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. got that song "Little Room," uh, and that's you know maybe being a crazy artist, uh, you just don't need a bed. You just yeah. you load your bedroom if up with gear and you just do it. If you think that you are um, you have uh, given birth to a, a prodigy, just let him let him give her the let him go. Let him let, let give her the bed. I think that speaks to the thing of uh, you know if. If you have room in, in your room to do other stuff, you're going to do other stuff. Yeah. Right. If you remove all the shit and all you have is the music stuff, Absolutely. that's what you're going to touch and use and do. Yep. From uh, from the book Daft Punk, uh, A Trip Inside the Pyramid, they set out to show that music can be a do-it-yourself proposition made in the same way that two young kids might work together on a school assignment. This has always struck me as an incredible start to a duo that will famously and loudly turn their backs on this style of recording in the future. Uh, I found this quote from Tomas speaking uh, to this idea and why the band was reinterested in discovering uh, recording techniques from the old days. And I think it's really interesting to think about what they're doing now and what they will do soon. We tried to demonstrate that, that you could make music in a bedroom 20 years ago with homework or discovery. And that was something completely new at the time. There was uh, something we were somehow uh, uh, fighting for, fighting for the, the electronic music to be accepted. Now that it's been accepted, now that it's uh, uh, totally possible to do it in a bedroom, not only it's possible, but it's, it almost became this kind of mandatory thing of almost doing it on a laptop. <laughs> we said, okay, maybe there's other things now that are maybe worth fighting for and what might be worth fighting for is not the, just the ideas of the future but mm. some ideas from the past so that that they're obviously talking about random access memories there uh um they they revolutionized the recording of this type of music from their bedroom with homework and then even more with discovery i i think that they i the the test of ram will be continuing i think it's still a hugely influential record but I, I almost wonder if they themselves are a little disappointed that that album's success didn't beget 
more electronic artists trying to do live instrumentation and stuff uh, and, and looking at Ram and being like, I want to do something like that too. Like 20 years ago, people looked at homework and said, I want to do something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting point. I, I don't know. I think it's, I think it's scalability. I mean, the only, yeah, I, I mean, think, they... if, I think if, if, you know, any of the people that we listen to DJs, producers or whatever had a choice between just producing music in their, you know, house on Ableton or, orchestrating you know yeah a bunch of people they would rather do something huge it's just yeah i mean who's got who, like they ram cost well over a million dollars to record um who's got that yeah right <laughs> yeah. some of that. the records we listen to cost i mean yeah. like sub two thousand dollars right record. yeah right yeah uh, that's the dream. if i start if i start making music it's definitely gonna have to cost me less than two thousand dollars i would love to be in a position i I would Someone love to give us a million dollars. Somebody, uh, if you're out there and you think it's like these guys sound like they could make good music, give us a million dollars. <laughs> I don't think we'll make. I don't know if we'll make good music, but I would. I mean, it would we'll be make st- something with it. Like, we promise you right now, if you give us a million dollars, we will make something. We with will. It. We will do something with that million dollars. Uh, no one at the label heard anything about the progress of the record until they were invited to come listen to the finished product. So I cannot get over the image of a bunch of record exec suits hovering around Tomas's cluttered bedroom, cords and synths and audio equipment covering every surface, listening to a tape of homework on a boombox and slowly realizing how big this album could be. One of those execs say in, in Daft Punk Unchained, it was a, revela- a revelation. We listened to one hit after another. So these two guys invited the executives from the label into his bedroom and were like, "You, the first time you get to hear it is on my boombox, just standing in this furnitureless room. <laughs> like, like that's that that that's awesome. That in and of itself is a huge power move. I love that. That rules. Uh, the record was released January 20th, 1997. It went on to be released in 35 countries and charted in 14, reaching 150 on the Billboard Hot 200, number eight on the uh, UK Albums Chart. It went gold and platinum, selling more than 2 million copies worldwide. There are countless retrospective articles about the album's importance to 90s pop music. The Village Voice said it was uh, – said it – tore the sewer lid off the Eurohouse sounds that had bogged down the dance music for years. At All Music, they call it essential and a certain classic. Rolling Stone's list of 30 greatest EDM albums of all time was topped by homework. They called it pure synapse tweaking brilliance. I think that's a fucking good description. Of that. Yeah, it is. Um, in the wake of the album's success, <clears throat> Janet Jackson, Madonna, George Michael, they all contacted the boys asking to collaborate, uh, and they politely politely declined every invite. Uh, so, I mean, again, 20, talk about power moves. Right? Talk about twenty-two years old or whatever. Control right there. <laughs> if you are looking at control, just those are two demonstrations of moves yeah. for control. Right there. Bring the execs into your cluttered room, have them stand there and listen to your tape on a boombox, uh, and tell you how great it is. Right? And thank you for being there. And then turn down some of the biggest stars in the world for collaboration. They had a vision. I mean, it, it, you can't. It, it, like like imagine if they collaborated with Madonna, if they go Madonna right? if they go homework and their next thing is, is Madonna is a, a, a you track can't get that back on Madonna's on Madonna's next album 
they become producers. They become producers. I think, I think yeah. if they, if you they're like, it. oh you my lose God, control. this is awesome. We're we're gonna do a a track on Janet Jackson's next record. We're gonna and, produce uh, George Michael. They they all of a sudden they take all that energy from a, an interesting first record and they become producers. And, and we never I would bet, hear about them again. I would bet that they would be two of the biggest producers of pop music sure. that we never I, really knew about. I think that, you know that, I, that probably is what happens. We'll talk about what what the next. Because they're you know they're fifty years old. I think I think that that specifically is what happens next with these guys. Yeah, is that they become producers. Right. I I, I hope that they release their own stuff. That they go on to make music projects. I believe that what they want to do is is produce music now. Yeah, and I mean I I think we'll get. You know, the, the hope is that we can get good, honest music from them, whether it is under their own moniker or, or it is producing and, and you know, producing. And, and, you know, at this point in, in either of their careers. Right. And we don't need to get too deep into this because we'll have a whole episode about it later. But but, uh, you know, being that respected you know, there's no accolade they don't have. You know what I mean? Right. There's nobody that's going to come in the room and not listen to every word they say. Yeah. And I don't think they'll work. You know what I mean? I, I think that we will get projects that feel, if we do get anything, we'll get projects that very much feel like them yeah. in, in whatever way they want it to feel like them or whatever. It's funny um, because Madonna at this time uh, is shortly after going to have a dance like a, an electronic dance record become a huge hit, and she's she's done this like three or like uh, her career is so long that there are now like two or three dance music spikes culturally in within her career, and she does a whole record dedicated to that sa- the sound of electronic music. Now she did she MDNA yeah. was a record she did in like 2013 that whole, sounds like a fucking Afrojack or some shit. Her whole sound at the beginning of her career is because Nile Rodgers produced the first two records. And those are just such Nile Rodgers records. Holiday. It's like a house song. That rocks. You know, I did it's not know on the that. floor. And they aren't working with him yet, but like around the world, which we'll get to later in the episode, has such a chic energy to the baseline. Oh, so yeah. it's like they could have worked with Madonna and because I'm sure they would have wanted to in some ways, but it is smart of them not to become producers. Yeah. So they, which, uh, that's interesting. I, I did not know she worked with Nile Rodgers. Nile Rodgers is obviously a huge influence on the boys. Even now, just like you said, around uh, around the world is kind of a hat tip to Sheik. Uh, when, you, when you bought this record, um, so uh, that was another thing. They wanted most people to experience this record uh, on vinyl. So at uh, their contract said, we're only going to do 50,000 CDs uh, of this, and then we want the rest on vinyl. And those 50,000 CDs sold out so fast that they had to, they had to like, <laughs> uh, uh, they were like, we had no idea that it was going to hit this hard this quick. Those, the CDs sold out immediately, and they had to do another run. Um, but you, if you open up the, the packaging on the vinyl and, and look at, uh, the art spread, there's a really cool photo on the inside of, of their like desk. And it's got, it's just a, an, an homage to the stuff that they were into at this point. Um, uh, there's a Dr. Pepper can DP for Daft Punk. There's like posters and music stuff and everything. There's, there's a big chic deal cause chic was really important to them. Uh, uh, absolutely. So, uh, 
this this album introduced the world to the Fr- French touch sound and instantly made house music cool around the world. Uh, um, DJ A Track was interviewed in the Rolling Stone interview about Daft Punk uh, that they did a while ago. That's like that's the best piece of music journalism about Daft Punk. It's called uh, All Hail Our Robot Overlords. Uh, um, that that piece rocks. Anyways, DJ A Track says about um, homework coming out. Dance music is not cool. It has <laughs> the worst fonts. It has the worst out- artwork. And let's not forget what a rave flyer looks like. And then here comes Daft Punk with these crazy videos, beautiful album art. They have a flash and an elegance that other dance acts envied. And I think that's a big part of it, too. It is. Uh, it's funny to hear the tug and pull of people trying to decide whether Daft Punk is cool. <laughs> uh, French director Michel Gondry, who has helped showcase the duo uh, to an international audience with the Around the World video, which, we'll, again, we'll get to next week. He says, the first time I heard them, I was like, is this too simple or is this great? Just like people don't know. Like, it's hard to wrap your head around exactly what's going on. Uh, for the boys, they say, for us, there's no separation between what's hip and what's not. Uh, that was Tomas. Uh, and there's no irony in Daft Punk. There never has been. There never was. When the boys sample something as decidedly as uncool as Barry Manilow or disco records from the 70s that had been forgotten since disco demolition might in America had wiped out that sound off the billboard charts forever. They're not doing it out of some ironic detachment, which would eventually become, uh, which would eventually come to dominate the way artists let the in- past influence their music. They have a genuine love and nostalgia. Uh, they have a genuine love and nostalgia for these cheesy sounds from a bygone era. Even the helmets uh, they would come to adopt are steeped in corny sci-fi from the seventies. Because of their honest love for the sights and sounds that influence them as artists, that heart and earnestness of, uh, of their work is impossible to ignore. They were even uh, – oh, here we go. This is the quote I was talking about earlier. They were even uh, annoyed with the underground snobbiness of the scene that they were kind of actively taking by force. This is a great quote from Tomas. Uh, so this is from the 97 Winter Music Conference. Uh, All we are showing is that it's okay if you discovered this music today. Don't be ashamed and stuff because I can't stand these people who say, what, you don't know that? And being snobby, every day someone is turning into it now. Uh, it's one more guy who is liking it, and that's good. So if someone who never listened to this the house music or even hated house music, if now he's getting into it, that's a good thing. Uh, this music is not taken very seriously still, and it's like, uh, yeah, you're into che- cheesy dance stuff. Maybe more and more people will consider it, uh, this music in a new, better way. And that's absolutely true. Uh, um, I love that. I was snobby about music for so much of my life. House music taught me that that was silly. Like people like what they like and and they should just like be allowed to do that. And I I love looking at this like that. Like why be secretive and snooty about this music? Let let people find it. Let people discover it. I think it was probably hard because I don't know a lot of the – big house hits up until then the big crossover like american radio house hits were you know a a little more urban and queer you know it's a lot of uh you know so we uh i we're gonna talk about that eventually um because there there is there is something like exactly what happened with elvis 
or what happened with the Beatles that happened here with Daft Punk. And I don't think people talk about that enough. This music was invented, yes, uh, by black Americans. And specifically, uh, specifically in the queer culture in, in places like Chicago and Detroit. And we have, we allow, we as, as people here in America did not, did not want to let that seep into our uh, popular culture. And this music traveled from these places uh, where um, where black and brown artists were were developing it here. It traveled from here to Europe and then came back here from Europe. Um, and we'll, we'll get more into it. I've, I've, I've heard I've got some interesting um, interviews from people in and around They're, Daft Punk. But it, it's it's crazy that we needed. um I mean, these guys are geniuses at this music, but it it really sucks that as we, our culture here in America needed these two French robots to teach us this music was great because it was right here all along. I mean, it's wild. I mean, I and I'm guilty of it too. There was there's some part of me that like growing up didn't even put them together. Things like you know, like Robin asked, "Show Me Love." That was a huge, huge crossover yeah. radio hit. I didn't put that together as the same thing as Daft Punk because. Right. I don't know. It was it was palatable to me in a different way. I was like, oh no, this is the cool robot. You know, music. Yeah. it didn't even feel like the same thing. It took me until I got older and kind of became, you know, in my late teens that I was like, oh no, this is the same kind of dance music. Yeah, absolutely. There was a um, I was reading in in uh, my my you know behind the scenes homework research or whatever. There was a quote from Tomas about and I don't know if you include this quote if you do I'm sorry for si- sidelining it or whatever. Hit it up. But the quote that he he had said was uh and I'm going to extrapolate a tiny bit off of this was uh, uh you know the song is about uh, Revolution 909 is about breaking up raves or whatever. But one of the uh, Tomas's quotes were it's not about the music they say it's about drugs but there's drugs everywhere if it was happening uh, at at rock rock and roll concerts which it is uh, it doesn't get the same type of press and police yeah. um because it's not about the drugs it's about the music it's about the party it's yeah. about the culture and i think that that is something they're aware of i mean yeah. by that quote they are aware of that it's yeah. difficult it's, um yeah to take something born you know like like chicago black gay house like that is yeah. a thing that is absolutely uh, an origin point of so much of pop music today and and you know it nowadays is getting a little more attention and credit where it's due but, but it's again definitely not enough it's so the the specific like i i would love to be able to to help people that love this music understand where it came from mm-hmm. and why it's important that it came from there but all that that is not enough what is really troubling about dance music right now is when you look at the when you look at the top of this industry and who is making these gobs of money uh they all look like cascade yeah uh and that is a i think if we really want to honor the history of this music uh that sucks yeah um so uh yeah uh, um i would i would love to be able to find ways for um for people who whose voices are constantly stamp like stamp not stampeded 
uh, uh, I want, uh, yeah, people whose voices are constantly stampeded, who helped develop this sound and this industry. I would love to find ways to be able to get them to the top. So it, so, so it's not just fucking cascade making a billion dollars a year or whatever he makes. Uh, <laughs> cause that sucks. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, the, uh, um, um, yeah, just just like you know, Elvis helped popularize a, a sound that was made by uh, by disenfranchised groups of people. The Beatles did the same thing. Yeah. Daft Punk is in Daft Punk is in that realm. They yeah. they they were, uh, you know, uh, uh, the French house sound was developing in them around them. It's not like they stole anything yeah. or anything. They they were they were for, like entrenched in this French revolution of music that was happening around this time and then and then turned yeah. it global uh they 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 weren't you know they were trafficking in in the sound and the culture of Fran- france at that time uh, uh but yeah it came to france from yeah. chicago and detroit and i think that like there's you know again talking about fine lines right another very fine line is uh paying homage to something and stealing something, you know? And and it's nice to see, you know, the more we dive deeper into Daft Punk, you know, Elvis was not about, you know, Elvis at a certain level maybe was about the music, but Elvis was about being Elvis, the <laughs> yeah. star, the king of rock and roll. Right. Whereas Daft Punk very clearly from the very beginning says this is about the music. Right. And then we can see by the way they develop in their career, they are not just reproducing something that exists and putting their name on it. They are, they are taking this thing. They're learning from their influences and they, you know, they have a whole song. We'll get into that. There's a song called teachers here that that they literally list that people have influenced them, Uh, you know, and and like that kind of stuff is awesome to see. It's awesome to reaffirm the reasons that I like this group, uh, seeing them do things the right way. Um, So let's get to it. Let's get to it. Uh, We're going to talk solely about the music today. The videos uh, will be discussed on next week's episode, which is dedicated to Daft, a story about dogs, androids, firemen, and tomatoes. One of the myriad fascinating things about this record is that Daft Punk's it's Daft Punk's only output that did not have a clear concept and vision behind it as a piece of art. Yeah, Uh, this is just them making good tunes. Mm -hmm. So Gimon said at the time there was no intended theme because all the tracks were recorded before we arranged the sequence of the album. Uh, the album was made to make the songs better by arranging them the way we did uh, to even try to make it an album. So this this is just them tooling around the se- the scene, DJing here and there, fuzzing up stuff in their their bedroom and putting tracks out uh, um, without any cohesive thing. It's their it's their pure French house album. Everything after this has a concept behind it. Yeah. Uh, there is not, uh, there's not any thought to sequencing other than what it sounds like. So this album is raw, childish party atmosphere, and it's so fucking infectious. Here is track one, Defenderect. Defunk back Man. I um huh. I I, Ow. I love I love this song as the opener. I love the 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 warbly kind of muffled sample, and I love the beat coming in where you don't it really expect it to come. Literally, sounds Ugh. like you're walking up to the raid. Yeah, that's what gets me about it. Is yeah. like that feeling 
that feeling of hearing the low bass from a block away mm-hmm. when you're like in some part of, of Chicago or Detroit that you've never been to before and you're like, I think we're around the right place and you hear the low rumble and you're like, okay, yeah. we're there. And That's, we uh... you slowly walk up to it and you and it just envelops you around until you get into it. Yeah. That, this song is like walking up to a rave and That's I love it. That's me and Andy, very high energy, an electric forest in the RV park, listening to all these like just loud dubstep wobbles yeah. And just like following our ears, tracking where, how, like, yeah. I think how I think yeah. I hear a house over here. Let's go over here. I think this house <laughs> over here for, for until folks, you find it. For folks out there that don't know, uh, 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 we're performers, and uh, specifically Devin and I, we we do character work at this festival called Electric Forest, uh, um, and it's it's like a. Uh, dubstep heavy place so we like we find these pockets of house and you're walking around yeah there's just like disparate weird noises happening all around you and you hear that like rhythm uh, off in the distance and it is like our group like house music let's go and like fucking just (laughs) book it towards that stuff exactly i i love that they they create a mood this Absolutely. album, you know, yeah. we don't have like a, a, a theme theme, capital T theme or whatever. But like we open, this has the same sample as Defunk. Yeah. Right. We're, we're dealing in the same thing. We're going to end with a version of it. We're going to touch it. We're, we touched this a couple times. Defunk is the theme of this album. Right. Yeah. That's we true. open and close with it. That's the groove. We f- it, it's it's very cool. So this is also the only track on the album that was not recorded in Tomas's bedroom, which is interesting. Uh, this was performed live at the I Love Techno Festival in Belgium on November tenth, nineteen ninety five. So this was a, a, around this time before and after the release of Homework. This was the duo's regular show opener, um, and we will hear how that kind of that use of it evolved into the Defend Direct tour uh, shows that were eventually released as a live 99. Uh, But we'll get to that on that episode. But uh, yeah, Defunk, Back to the Funk. Love it. It samples Vaughn Mason and Cruz 1979 song Bounce, Rock, Skate, Roll, which in and of itself samples good times by chic so it was almost like yeah. it was almost like they they love chic so much they didn't want to like touch it directly and they took like a warped version of it and make make it this wow. uh but before we move on i just wanted to stop and note that although janet jackson never got to work with daft punk uh like she wished she could have at the time uh, that homework was released this album clearly struck a nerve with her because 11 years after the release of homework in 2008 uh, she releases a song called So Much Better. So much better, I'm for you. So, so much better, I'm for you. Oh, there it is. Yeah, this is, this is 11 years after. She never got to work with that punk. This is 11 years after homework. It's still in her. Dude, okay. So Janet Jackson uh, asked to work with them this year. It's 1997. Yeah. She's also on Virgin Records. She puts out a tune, I forget the name of it, but it is a Jay Dilla beat that she they steal and they don't use they don't give Jay Dilla production right. credits. It was when he was producing as the Uma with um the folks from Tribe Called Quest. So it gets nominated for a Grammy that you know he doesn't get credit on. So he produced this year, nineteen ninety seven, the JD's Revenge Mix, where he just turns up all of the parts of the track that sound like his style, like his <laughs> bass and his drums. 
and it's when you listen to it, it like all of her vocals are pitched down and you can only hear like the things that are so clearly his. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is a this is a J.D. beat. It's a really incredible. That's crazy. We will we will on a future episode. We will be talking about J.D. just to let you guys know. Especially because, yeah, it's very exciting that this is happening in Paris and he is doing this for hip hop in Detroit so during Jay, this time. Jay Dilla, we're going to get it to it on the Daft Club episode. Uh, Jay Dilla remixed a Daft Punk song. And there's a very interesting story behind that. But he, he was doing that like just a couple blocks from our theater. Yeah. So uh, uh, Jay Dilla is a legend. Uh, track two. WTBK 93.7, the sound of tomorrow, the music of today, brings you exclusively Daft Punk's homework. So... Yeah, why not? We don't get enough of that anymore. You know who did that uh, recently? Uh, the I think it's Kendrick's newest album. He's got the just like the vocal uh, intros of the song. Do you remember? Yeah. Was it like Dropout or whatever where Kanye had like uh, Bernie Mac do a yeah, couple dude. of sketches uh, throughout the record? Yeah. God loved De La Soul in the 90s. I think they were the first group to do skits. And then yeah. for years there were skits. You ha- I like, mean, skits. When I, when I was in high school, if you if I bought a rap album, like I, I, I had, had skits. I had like Fabulous. Yeah, like dude. you had like three or four skits on there. Or you think about like, like Wu-Tang or you think like an, about I, I, any, any, any of that. I specifically stuff. remember buying that fabulous record when he was like the number one thing on TRL. And there's a skit in there of him stealing tips off of tables and yeah. restaurants. And that's just, it was like, that's stuck in my brain forever. Cause that's very and funny. And then you started doing that. And you know, I started doing it. And I am one of, one of the most wanted this, criminals in Detroit. So this tune, what's, what's missing for me from this album is music, the song. And yeah. this references it. So that is a that is an incredible fucking track that, um, that belongs on so this, this album. Is, uh, music is another track from around this time that Daft Punk made. Uh this is notable. Uh, uh WDPK eight three seven FM it, for including that sample of music, which you can hear the full song on the Daft Club or Music Volume One, which they was kind of like a best hit. I think I'm, I can look it up. So but I think this it was is a B side. It was a B yeah. side from da, uh, Defunct single. Um, Man, what a good tune! Yeah, so yeah. that um, it was. That's where that came from. The beat, the Defunct single. The radio DJ on this track is Tomas. It's exceedingly difficult to decipher which of the boys provide the robot voice. Um, uh, it's fairly accepted that Tomas has a higher singing voice than Gimon. But it's still really hard to figure, yeah. out, figure out which one's which, um, they because they don't they don't want you to know. No track three. Here Let's really go. get into it. Here we go. Revolution nine oh nine. Golly. I don't even yeah I don't even want to talk about I know it. it's it's so hard you know That's what's incredible. very cool it's so uh, before we just, I just want to let people know that we're going to play like 15 seconds of these because uh like rights issues and stuff we're you're just going to get a snippet of them uh uh but we would love if as we're going through this you guys listen to these beforehand so you can follow along with us diving into this record cuz homework is just a part of my life like these tracks just come up on my Spotify all the time I listen to the shit uh, constantly, but this week I was like, I'm going to listen to homework as many times as possible where it's just like, I turned it up a little too loud and I'm sitting in my, in, in the vibe den. Uh, um, it's just dark up there. My wife is in bed and I'm just going to listen to this. And what really struck me 
is how deep the levels of this shit are. Yeah. Like this track is so busy yeah. and there's so much happening in it, but it's all cohesive and it makes so much sense. And it's so for being so busy and so much going on. It's so fucking clean. We, we talked about this, um, leading up, uh, leading up. We, we, we've, I think the three of us have listened to this album, uh, and an insane number of times this week alone, let alone <laughs> over the last few months. But um, one of the things, um, one of the things that 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 blows my mind is 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 that to piggyback on that point, um, they just have this way in everything that we listen to pre homework, uh, and, and even at times in this album, it gets a little messy. Uh, but but. In certain tracks, they find what will make them so amazing later on. Just a way to take so much of a sonic landscape and just carve out these perfect little pockets of sound that yeah. somehow all work together. They're not simple, but they're not. Uh, they're 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 not. They're incredibly. It, it's so complex. Cl yeah, they, yeah. They it, they. It's like an earworm. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. A simple boiled down thing that it is yeah. when you when you really start to break down the points and when things come in go and how they do the movement yeah. of the song. It's not just it's not just this part, this part, right. this part. Like like it, it, it this thing is it constantly morphing and rotating and moving track. It's alive. There are moments throughout the entirety of this album where I think, oh, that's a cool thing that I just focused on and I found in this song. Yeah. And then I realize that they wanted me to hear that because they are feeding it to me yeah. in this way where I think I'm noticing something new in the track like the, and I'm just realizing it's becoming the next part of Yeah, exactly. That, that little tiny, almost yeah. indecipherable like warble in there. Uh, uh, that it just snaps into focus for the smallest time, yeah. and you're like, "Whoa!" And Whoa. then, and then it's just constantly happening under under the track, and it just it's another level of richness. You know what I mean? We thought so. The consensus used to be that there was this was a chic sample, right? And we don't think it is anymore. So, well, right? I, I'm going to get to what what is believed is sampled in this one specifically. Uh, this track opens with the sound of a crowd mingling outside before sirens appear and panic takes over the crowd. Uh, at this time in France, authorities were growing increasingly hostile to the party atmosphere surrounding fr the French touch scene. And this is something of a protest song. Uh, but I will talk more about that specifically and Daft Punk's thoughts on what was going on with the scene in the Alive 97 episode. So check back in a couple weeks. Uh, but I always assumed Daft Punk had somehow recorded actual audio of French police breaking up a rave. The crowd noises and police sirens are mixed together from samples the boys found on a sound effects record called the Hollywood Edge City Track Sound <laughs> Effects. So, like, how – like, this is pre-internet. How yeah. do they fucking crate dive a, a like a sound effects record, a Hollywood sound effects record in France? They I don't know. That's awesome. Um, this is a good time to mention that uh, Daft Punk have the most ingenious and creative uses of samples. Like I think in the history of music, I think they're the best samplers that have ever existed. Um, so. Uh, just think about back a couple, a couple minutes ago when we did when we heard that Janet Jackson Daft Punk sample. Uh, we're all aware what uh, what it sounds like when a group uh, adapts a snippet of somebody else's track and make makes a new beat out of it. Like it's so clear that that was yeah uh, defend direct. 
there are uh, obviously more famous examples of Daft Punk's use of, of uh, uh, examples of Daft Punk's use of samples uh, uh, that it's hard to decipher exactly what is going on. But I just want to play this really quick. So you can hear it gets sped up, pitched up, and then spread apart. But even still hearing them transfer that in, in the middle there, I my ear is still not good good enough to hear exactly what part of Revolution 909 com, comes from Criss Cross's jump or how exactly they work that into the sample. But I just think that's fucking awesome. So like that that's a great example. Like they are they're taking such tiny pieces of these songs and and mixing them up and warping them into something completely new. All right. The big one. Oh, ah. what, what a track. Man, I am I I've have over the years burnt myself out on Acid House. Like Acid House is not the genre of music that I like. But this tune, man, that the the TB three oh three bass synth on that is so good and that's undeniable like i thought i don't know a part of me felt like i was never going to enjoy that synthesizer again because it's like there's so many records that's just that noise and this is it's such a funky example of it it's a great riff i like how um how everything so far has almost been a build to this moment like the first two tracks are kind of like building up into something. Revolution 909 starts with a very slow build into something. This this re- track, as soon as it starts, hits you with that meow meow. Like it like it just goes from the beginning. Yeah. Um. It it it's got like they have several uh, around the world is one of them too. They have several tracks that are almost uh composed like a carousel where there's there's parts and sections that come into and out of focus but never quite go away all the way so it's just like you you can hear it coming and then going and fading away and then fading in back out and i just i think that is so infectious i watched um i mentioned this earlier but i watched a, like a six or seven minute youtube video uh of of, of somebody recreating that program uh, for the on a analog sequencer, and I will tell you uh, again, it is astounding what these two guys created. Uh, just, just, just understanding the amount of, of different notes and pitch changes. It, 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 it is, it is seriously so cool to watch. Uh, uh, some of the the recreations on some of the synths that they were yeah. using. Uh, it it is astounding. Like for those people who say, uh, you know, they DJs just push buttons or whatever. I, I mean, I would I would I, I would recommend to anybody watch somebody who knows what they're doing recreate some of these these riffs and these tracks. Uh, it, it is it is so damn cool to see. Yeah, um, yeah. There, um, not not everybody knows how to. Uh, manipulate samples like right. these guys, uh, but this is, the, uh, yeah, like from the get go, this is just like next level the, shit. <laughs> the idea of these two men, these two boys, uh, recreating this stuff from scratch, 
uh, without computers, without computers, without computers, creating this stuff with just the tiny little internal memories That's on these the on these key well, on they, these different they, synths they and used, stuff. They used computers for this. But oh yeah, you so you know a little bit more about yeah. the, what that. What, I was gonna say what's cool about. I mean, they so they sequenced a bunch of this in um, eMagic Logic for the Mac, which is an early sequencer that would later be built into. It gets bought by Apple, and then they just keep Logic. Yeah, and then that becomes GarageBand. So Logic oh. is like the pro digital audio workstation that professionals use, but the like consumer entry level version is GarageBand, and they're using like a super simple predecessor to that. Interesting. Uh, in the late nineties, which so, is wild to me. Um. Yeah. Uh. That's interesting. And and that. Uh. But even yeah. Like so. Like primitive versions of what even we could have now. They're figuring out a way to put all this shit together. Um. Then they're they're creating what will become industry standards for like recording and in this kind of stuff. Uh. As two kids fucking around in their bedroom. Uh. This song is the one that put the boys on the map. It includes a sample of "I'm Just Gonna Love You a Little More, Baby" by Barry White. And the chic rip sample from uh, Vaughn and Mason crew from Defun uh, uh, Direct. That was so hard to say. Um, this song was inspired by the boys' love of West Coast G funk. Uh, yeah. It's hard to it's hard for me to hear. I don't I don't know a ton about like this era of of hip hop stuff, but it, it's hard for me to hear it, like an in, hip hop influence. I, I feel like it's firmly rooted in that acid house sound, like you were saying, Devin. It's just it's like the I mean it's slow. Usually house is like like 120 to 130 beats per minute. You you know like all the house songs we like are at like 124 beats per minute. This is more like 110, so yeah. it's slow. And the drum, I can hear in the drums that, like, boom bap. Yeah, that's true. That sound yeah. like, you know, Dr. Dre G-Funk. Yeah. Which, I mean, they shot them out on teachers. Now that you say that, I can hear that, like, yeah. just, just bap. Boom. Yeah. That's what, yeah, that's, that's at the be, at the time that this was released, that that's what they're like, this is our homage to G-Funk. And people, um, reviewers were like, I don't know. It's house music. <laughs> it is, but it's not. I mean, it's not uh, yeah. fast. Yeah, it is not. It, it is, is not a slow, fast dancey song. Kinda, it know? is. It is like for what this this song did for this kind of music. It doesn't sound like a lot of other stuff. Yeah. Right. Um. I mean, again, I found it's, a review of of this song from the Boken Raton Journal. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, they're way enough to have to Everybody's been gathering in the streets funny. waiting for their opinion. Yeah. Uh, at the time, the Boca Raton Journal says it relies on this bouncy, funky guitar to convey its message of dumb fun, which I love. That's a great. Yeah, no, it's not. That's I mean, a good yeah, it's great. <laughs> I think that this song is again. You know, we talk about Daft Punk as being one of the like ultimate onboarding points for for a genre of music that at the time is new. Um, and is newer than a lot of the genres we're used to today even. But um, I, I think that if we're talking about the ultimate onboarding songs for the ultimate onboarding band, this I would put right up there because Boom. it is not difficult to recognize things like the guitar noise, like that, that familiar, the familiar um, more hip hop influenced uh, yeah. kick and kick and snare kind of idea. I, I think that that's, 
that is what this song can do and does do well. It is a point that that this song will get people into, uh, you know, a song like the one before it, Revolution 909. Yeah. That, that's not one where you're like, hey, this is an easy onboarding necessarily. It's still a groove and it's yeah. groovy as hell, but it's not as, as recognizable. It might sound a little bit too much noise if you're starting with one of these bigger, uh, more going on songs. Yeah, I, I mean, the funk was... just feels... Like something, it's something you like people, can just like, turn on. People it, don't even if you don't know this song, you'd know it. Yeah, and that's it's one, one of those, those ones that like it's gonna you know, the genre that's gonna come out to you is the genre you like. If yeah. you are like the guitar part, you're going to hear the guitar part. If you like the hip hop uh, right. sounds, you're gonna hear the hip hop sound. So it is another one that is is multi genre that can be mistaken for whatever you want it to be mistaken for. Absolutely. Um, so there um, you go. So this is yeah, this is one put them in the stratosphere. Uh, we'll get to the video next week because uh, that was also a big part of of these guys kind of taking off. Uh, track five, yeah, Phoenix, Phoenix, burner. Ah, ooh, yeah. This is one with such a a beautiful build. Yeah. The oh, build yeah. and the the build and the hit on the, the top that of this song, fucking groove that boom boom boom. Oh boom, yeah, boom, 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 this, boom, so boom, boom, I, there are a couple boom, tracks boom, on this record that are are like Phoenix, where it is just like quintessential like French touch filter disco. Yeah, and I always I don't know I I like this and they don't revisit it in the same way on the later albums, but you get so much more of it with Together and La Nightclub. Yeah, that. Like if you want more of this, it exists. Right. And I, I just love this just filtered out sample disco shit. Yeah. So in a career built on use, utilizing corny samples, this is probably one of the corniest. Um, <laughs> this is uh, Elton John and Kiki D's "Don't Go Breaking My Heart." Uh, so we've talked about this before, but I'm absolutely obsessed with the idea of Tomas and Guimon huddle over samplers and synthesizers in Tomas's bedroom, listening to Elton John and Billy Joel and Bill, Barry Manilow, Barry White. Like the 90s are in full swing. Grunge is taking over America. We're witnessing the creation of two incredibly influential styles of music as hip hop and house music prove that they have cultural staying power. And these two are fucking listening to Don't Go Break in My Heart by Billy Joel. <laughs> There it is. There it is. So you can hear a little bit of how they do it. Still, even even still, it's it's so it's a <laughs> it's a cut a cut apart, slowed down, pitched down, then filled with all this other sound yeah. around them. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. It is incredibly cool to hear that breakdown. Like yeah, that. people people that uh, um, trash sample music because it's like not original or whatever. Uh, pl- plenty of it. I understand, you yeah. know, the way that a lot of people use samples, I get it. Cause they, it's just like a lifted section of a song yeah. into something else. This is, this is a wholly original way yeah. to use other people, uh, people's output as inspiration in, uh, I, I don't know. It's uh, to me, it's incredible. On this and discovery, they chop the shit out of all these samples and really layer them in a bunch of weird ways and pitch them yeah. up and down. 
But then on Human After All, they take them wholesale yeah. and just live in that groove. And that I don't I don't know how to unpack it and we will when we get to it, but that was them making a statement in some way too. I got I have I've just already wholesale found wholesale two I've, bar sand like yeah. like truly the whole groove is from another song and they're adding um, something to it. It's cool. Because like like I'm reliving every era of them as performers. I, I've already looked up some stuff from human after all. And I, I found some really cool stuff that they've said about that, that record uh, discovery. Here's a little fun fact for an upcoming episode Four samples. Wow. Yeah. Not a ton Four of them samples. There. That whole record. Uh, Cause er, like this, this and discovery kind of, or, or like, you know, everything in this era between discovery and human after all kind of all gets late uh, lumped into their, their like sample part of their career there's only four samples on discovery yeah uh so next is fresh Another one that's so busy but so cohesive. Yeah, it's got the it's got the groove though. I mean, they're 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 figuring out uh, how you know this this album. You know, when 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 compared to some of the other stuff we've heard in the pre homework episode, uh, and we've looked into before this, what they figure out in most of these songs again is just that freaking groove. Yeah, dude, that so, groove. You know that. Yeah, you know that um, that one guitar note that gets thrown in, and it, it's like a through line through the groove. Yes, and it just hits you like, yeah, under it. Yeah, you know, you know that feeling when you go, you scratch a cat's head, <laughs> and it, and it, the cat like throws its whole body weight. Like it like bends its neck and it throws its whole body weight into your fingers. Yeah. And it just wants it's like so invested in the scratch that it just can't stop but lean itself into it. Yeah. That noise is that for me. Yeah, no, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you on that one. Oh uh, yeah. So Defunk brought this these guys to the world. But I think if people <laughs> know Something if somebody that doesn't know Daft Punk knows something from them from this era, it's this. opportunity Andy you said <laughs> Defunk Ooh. brought them to the world and I thought you were going to say this song brought them around right. the world <laughs> yeah, good lord um, what a tune oh, man no. what this brought to the world slapper. this one brings it around the world I, I feel this. like alley so to- <laughs> I, I paid $40,000 for the Casey Kasem School of Radio broadcasting and I don't think it was worth it after that. <laughs> I, I find it like you said I find it hard to believe that there's uh, anybody that does not recognize, God, this thing's you know, you know, just just at least some section yeah. of that song from some I, subset of pop culture somewhere. I specifically chose the clip I put in this episode because the 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 beat sharpening into focus and coming up 
uh, in the build of that song is probably my favorite moment in any Daft yeah. Punk song. That is quintessential house music. What you hear that's that the the uh, bass kind of out of focus and that slowly comes into play, and then the rounding of the the sound into the wham, bump. Oh my god, that is that that is like. That's a quintessential moment. Uh, I, I just love it so much. Like it's one of my favorite that, sounds um, ever. It's got that same idea as that uh, Daft and Direct. Uh, and the, the, you know the warbly. Yeah. You, you know the, the same feeling of your approach. Yeah, they, uh, they, they convey this. You you are approaching something. But I think this one, the the, the hit on around the world when in compared to the opener on this album. This is the the sound. I love I think, this song. Yeah, I think it might be one of the best builds like in house yeah. music ever. It is. This hits into focus so hot. Yeah. Like, I what I've listened to this song in the context of uh, I don't know the the you know the uh, live performances of it a lot, and it's been a while since I've listened to this song on its own, like as a single. And there's that secondary bass line later in the song that they they drop out like the iconic bass line and have this like secondary version of it that's got more of a glide to it that yeah. is just like i could listen to a whole song built off that yeah it's a really it's a really great secondary baseline and it, it, it's like it it's shocking to have a song like this that i have heard so many times and they're like there are songs by bands i love that get radio play and i i'm like i i loved this song at a certain point of my life and it's important, and I like this band. I love everything about this band, but I'm not going to listen to this song anymore because it's just overplayed. Right. It's shocking to hear something this simple and rhythmic, and I find something new in it every time. Every time. Every time. So uh, the phrase around the world is repeated 144 times, uh, and this is an early use of the vocoder sound. This is Guimon, I'm pretty sure, even though uh, we've seen – Tomas do it uh, in clips. I I think in the song, I think it's Gimon. Uh BBC music journalist Chris Power called Around the World a perfect example of Daft Punk's sound at its most accessible. A post-disco boogie bass line, a minimalist sprinkling of synthetic keyboards, uh, keyboard melody, and a single nagglingly insistent hook. Uh, in 2017, computer silent, uh, scientist Colin Morris analyzed 15,000 Billboard Hot 100 hits for repetitive, repetitiveness based on compression algorithms. Around the World is the most repetitive song possibly, probably, in human history. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's, what's crazy, I know we're going to talk about We'll talk about the the, the video specifically uh, next week, but that's uh, this is what Michelle Gondry, right? Yeah. And this one, um, this video, I, I, the reason I bring it up in the context of the sound is because I think it's very important because uh, this video features a bunch of different styles of dancers and, and different costumes and whatnot. But the beauty is each one is locked on to a specific yeah. sound, and you can see the complexity of this repetitive simplicity perfectly demonstrated in that video. So we'll talk more about that uh, next week. But I love this video so, so, so much uh, because it save it for the other end. Oh, I know, man. It's just you got to jump the gun a little. You got to jump the gun. Uh, the video, yeah. I mean, again, defunct and the, these two videos specifically. I don't know that we would have had Daft Punk blow up without those because right. they were so good. 
This one specifically. I, yeah. The, the uh, defunct uh, video is great, but this this one is. Yeah. This like, is iconic. I, it's so good. This tune rips because it doesn't have any samples, but they treat the baseline like it is a sample. So yeah. they like filter it in and like do the side chain compression thing that they do. Like it, like they're sampling something else. So growing up, I always thought this was a sample baseline, but it's not. They just treat it like right. it is. And it it is it without sampling chic. It this is like uh, they're they're honoring chic yeah. in a way. James Murphy, who famously added to the Daft Punk mythos with the LCD sound system song "Daft Punk is playing at my house," he said about Around the World. I like how wimpy around the world was. <laughs> he says it was really everything I hated and I couldn't resist it. What a fucking track. Yeah. <laughs> like, like yeah. again, uh, I, I feel like there's so many music people and I was the same way who thought that dance music was yeah. Wimpy or whatever. And then you hear something like around the world and it sinks into you and it, and invites you into hearing what else this kind of music has to offer. And it, you know, there's something to be said about finding, uh, uh, some sounds and assembling them in a way that you are confident enough to, 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 to present them to the world in the most repetitive way possible and still uh, have uh, just an amazing song. It's it's mind blowing. I mean, that's what we like yeah. about house music, right? You yeah. get two bars that you like, and you play them over and over and over again, and you take out the hi hats for a couple seconds, yeah. and mm-hmm. then you you know bring the bass line out for a couple seconds, or you filter the EQ. But it's this whole album is just pockets of grooves that yeah. are a couple bars long. And you just play them and play them and play and them and play with them. As while soon, they move yeah. Around. As soon as you've like forgotten about one element of the song, it rotates back in and hits in a new, interesting way. And you find all of these these new ways to appreciate the same thing. There's beauty in repetitiveness. Yeah. And I don't know that anybody has ever understood that as much, quite as much as Daft Punk. You yeah. Know, house music now has, especially tech house and all of the stuff we listen to has a structure that is more like a traditional pop song where you have an intro and then like a drop that's a little chorus and whatever house music, you know, from this era is just a groove. And then the principles of addition and subtraction, you just keep taking out and bring it in. That's what feels so circular about it. And that's what I love about it. It's almost, yeah. Like, uh, um, the industry ends up influencing the sound a little too much once it becomes popular, yeah. right? So then you've got things like the chain smokers hitting and bringing more like a very, a very uh, structured uh, thing around this sound. So we know, like, when you go see like Marshmallow perform live, there is no surprise to it. You know exactly what part of the break you're in all the time because there's there. It's like forty seconds of build break interesting break fall into a new thing it's like the same thing over and over again yeah i, I there i uh, i miss this just kind of like you know this this uh stretch it out and watch things groove and warp and, and like i just fucking miss it so and much. with with these kinds of tracks you know like we'll talk about it later but like together by together right that's six minutes of the same thing over together. and over you you build these kinds of loops that are repetitive and circular also because you are not DJing one song into another. It's right. not just one-to-one. 
these are tracks where you're going to like, I'm going to let this ride for three minutes with something else over it for three minutes yeah. and have something new there. So it's like built to be layered and yeah. you see it, you know, very well with a live 2007. If you let the same groove run for a few minutes, you can just have another song completely on top of it. Whereas yeah. now you see DJs, they're just going to mix one track into In, another. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You can play this. You can play another Daft Punk song over this. It grooves. <laughs> In fact, start. I think you should. I, pro- I listen to like seven or eight Daft Punk songs at the same time. That's how I spend my time. <laughs> I just put seven or eight of them on at the same time and see what happens. Uh, moving on. Rolling and scratching. This just makes me want a live 2007 again. That's a ripper. Uh, It is. If you, a Daft Punk fan, are trying to invite somebody into your life into this music, I would not start with something uh, as high-pitched as rolling and scratching because like, this this is the shit that that would probably turn somebody uninitiated off immediately. Yeah. but the way that they build into yeah. that into that screech is amazing. I think that this is a perfect example of one of those songs that it is difficult to play a short clip of and be like, uh, yeah. this is this is a Daft Punk. But this is one of those ones that is a, that, a quint- so quintessential Daft Punk you, uh, song like, we, or I, the journey. I showed you that the it breaking into this the screech. We heard we heard the start of that noise like two and a half minutes before that. And it's just a low rumble yep. of like bass that starts and it starts to come more into focus. And it's this the like, kinetic thing that you can hear moving up and up uh, to the point where this this like they've they've warped this sound into the screech and then it just pummels yep. you like you hear the evolution of that. Uh, from nothing into that and it, it's just it just hits you so hard this is what i think a later later on in, in electronic music and also you know this, this there's a lot of uh you know punk punk rock and other 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 uh musical genres you know that this is a prime example of daft punk's uh, take on like an attack and release they build you up they get you to the point where where it's almost too abrasive to handle and then they set you free by going back to that 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 you know what i mean that's that's the tension build the tension give you the release uh that is a song that is uh, just totally about the journey uh and, and it is um Oh man, it's a good one, and and then like I said, that uh, nod to uh, what will come uh, years from now. Uh, one of my favorite moments in the the uh, live two thousand seven, uh, specifically uh, the 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 album actually yeah. is is this this that part oh, yeah. uh, and how it's worked in. Oh my gosh! I read that they um, ran this sample through a Boss Metal Zone pedal, which is a like guitar pedal yep. that's like a really crunchy metal. Yeah, it's like to it's a guitar pedal that's like I've never kept in my rig because it's too loud and annoying. And like <laughs> I got the uh, it's like, right behind you, the Behringer clone of that, the yeah, heavy metal I've pedal. Used, it's like I, I've owned them in the past, yeah. and I've never found a lot of oh. use for them because it it produces some really 
difficult to, to palette <laughs> noises, but like that sample feels great. Yeah, and and some of these noises are very difficult to palette. <laughs> honestly, though, there's a reason like yeah. Tomas, you know, when you see a 10 minute clip of him from 2010, this is the break he's playing. Yeah. It's a noise that they've made to drive people crazy. Yeah. And it does. Yeah. yeah. Like this is go crazy music. You hit this in a club with that like steam machine and it's like, psh- like yeah. this is gonna make people we go talk crazy. We talk about also, this even further. Two thousand yeah. uh, live, two thousand seven. We yeah. see him play it in the clubs. He knows this song drives people. Nu- it just Nuts. whips people into this just frenzy. And I uh, famously, the title of this song was repurposed uh, as a banner headline above a story about Ann Arbor's best party spots in the Michigan Daily's twenty oh eight new student edition, uh, edited by me. <laughs> Andy, one year off of <laughs> one, yeah, I, I, I was, uh, I was initiated into the cult of Daft Punk in the summer of twenty, uh, two thousand seven, and two thousand eight. I, I headlined a article about Ann Arbor's best party spots. It began uh, change. It began just changing. Yeah, know? yeah. It, I was, yeah. The it already slow transformation. Absolutely. It was pretty quick, honestly. It was like it's, I saw it and I like re got I like uh, found my friends who all went to Ben Harper and I was like my my life changed and I, and I think I'm weird now and I'm gonna I'm gonna do I'm gonna this. move to Detroit I'm gonna and do like this. not do this anymore. Yeah, I'm gonna whatever that was. I'm, whatever that Daft Punk show was, I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. Uh, and now here I am uh, writing writing thousands and thousands of words about these guys because just because they broke up. Uh, amazing. All right, that was Rolling and Scratching. Next song is Teachers. Mike Dillon in the house, yeah. Todd Edwards in the house. Roman Thony in the house. CVO in the house. Ooh. Man. Good groove. I think this is the boys that they're like geekiest and most earnest, right? Just like yeah. listing people they like. I love that. Yeah, it could have they could have easily just shouted out a shit ton of uh you know, European DJs, but they they shouted out a ton of Chicago. George like Clinton's in there. Rules. Uh Paul Johnson is the first person. Yeah. Paul Johnson. Hi- yeah, uh um freaking yeah, it's so many yeah, all over the map. Um uh Three people mentioned in the song would go on to collaborate with Daft Punk. Romanthony, uh, vocalist who's all over Discovery. Todd Edwards from Face to Face fame and um, Fragments of Time. DJ Sneak, who, was a, uh, who collaborated with the boys and was a big influence. The, bo- the band Soul Wax recreated this song and changed the lyrics uh, to match their own musical influences. Uh, that opens the album Night Versions. Which is just like a re- like a dance remix of all of their songs, and folks, if you're looking for uh, if you don't know um, Soul Wax's dance stuff, and you're looking for something to fill your time now that Daft Punk is uh, is, is no more, go search up Night Versions. That ra- that record moves. We'll go see back. them. Yes, we'll absolutely. Go see them next time they come through. Absolutely. Now uh, you remember Fresh Track Six? Yes. Both that and this song have the same bass sample, If You Leave Me Now by Viola Willis. Ooh, no, baby, 
that that yeah. Now listen again. Like I, I, my ear, I never, never, ever would have been able to figure out that yeah. these two, these two songs sound nothing like. So you mentioned that the through line of the album is the defunct, and they use that in very recognizable ways, like three or four times throughout the record. I never, ever would have been able to pull apart that th- those two tracks were uh, the bass uh, was the same song. I think sometimes when you're cutting up a sample. You know, you, you chop it up and you pitch it up and you get somewhere you like with it and you find these little, like, ways that it, it can, you know, stick together and stuff. But you often have all these other chunks of the sample that you've, like, pitched yeah. up and played with that don't fit whatever you're working on. So it's like, I don't know. You can you can find a couple bars of a tune you like and you, you chop it up in a bunch of ways and you're like, oh, I have a couple completely different sections of this same thing. That and rocks. you don't want to, like, throw it away. So it's like... I, I, these are two yeah. totally different things, but it's like totally different. I don't know if yeah. you're if you're cutting up if you're playing around with this, you know, but also to have a sample and you love it, why not? Turn why it not? Into two yeah, it's, I feel rules. like most people would maybe make another one like make like teachers like a B side, like here's another right. reworking of this sample. But they're just like both these rock. You know, yeah, put them they're out. totally it's different like, things. They're totally different. Uh, uh, again, like the way they they manipulate samples is so unique, and and they can turn something new. Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's good stuff. High quality stuff. High quality stuff. Uh, next song, another Corker High Fidelity. <laughs> I love these noises, boys. Yeah, this is also like um, uh, a glitchiness from them that you don't hear very often. Like uh, glitch stuff in, in house in this time was was very popular, but um, they they like chop that sample up so much that they they put that glitchy kind of sound in there. That that ends up being you get like trip hop and stuff later and yeah. like Prefuse seventy three or whatever he is like that is that is such its own thing yeah you know later in the nineties and early two thousands but like I don't know I I'm not a huge fan of glitch stuff but like this level of it I I love it's often so da- it can be very down tempo sometimes yeah and it's like it's fun to just. You know, play it fast. This song takes forever to get into that groove. Yeah, too. I, they but, like, really build it time, up, and it's great. Time, I like. I am all for a nice, beautiful build. Uh, uh, absolutely. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know. I don't know what that looks like on the dance floor, right? Because like, when you're when you're playing these out to the club, you're cutting into this at that groove. I will tell you, I but that um, build up is. It, it's it rules uh i i just think uh yeah that like a nice build like that if you are seriously throwing down up there and you let something like that breathe you know that that moment where you're at like a rave or whatever and you kind of like put your hands on the back of your neck yeah. and just look up and 
let like a little bit of the air come in because you're you're you've got your head head to the ceiling and you're just kind of like ready to vibe out and slow down for a second. I I love I that. Like that too. I love and that I, feeling. You don't. I, it's a nice reminder that you don't have to keep the dance floor. You know, uh, just a series of of drops. Yeah. And oh, then it yeah. doesn't have to be even. You know, even in house where the drops can be more subtle, it doesn't have to just be this like up and down and then let it ride. You can like. You can yeah. like bring it back and let the yeah. room and like have you some you space. you build that slow and all, like all of a sudden you don't even realize you're in a groove. Right. You're like whoa, this like that that built so cool. It's like out of nowhere, like boom. Also that like that noise has never made a song worse. Yeah, that every time that that noise has ever been added, it's just at the back end of a beat, and it's just like. That's going to make a song better. No matter what song it is, that's going to make a song better. I wish I wish this song came up more in other stuff. Yeah. So this is uh, High Fidelity. Um, yeah, I think it's one of the craziest sample cuts that Daft Punk's ever produced. This track consists of 21 separate bursts of noise from the same Billy Joel song, Just The Way You Are. And they've just completely diced that song up. In a totally crazy way, I can't show every. I can't show you all twenty-one snippets because it's just nuts. But this is like a this is a small sample size of exactly how Daft Punk completely decimated this song. I'll take the bad times. I take you just the way you are. That's insane. I think that's why we don't hear it. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, that's yeah. why we don't that's why Daft Punk doesn't use it more. I think so face to face, we get the vocals from that in in some of their live stuff, but much like High Fidelity face to face musically is a ton of samples, a ton yeah. of layered shit, and I think it's too much too, much too to many noises add something to, else on. I, yeah, I if think, if yeah, they I were looking at this, this for like live, a li- like a live 20, 2007, like with that, he, he like how do you put more into yeah. that? You just have to let this groove. Same, like face to face on Discovery, I know we'll get to it. Has one of my favorite like grooves yeah. in it, but it is way too busy to put in anything else. And yeah. it's I I'm glad they kept the vocals in Alive 2007, but I don't know this glitchy shit. When Daft Punk does it, it rules. Yeah, this, this is, yeah, it's great, great song. No notes. No, no notes. notes. <laughs> Here's a uh, next track. Rock and roll. Ah, you yeah. can hear this. You can hear this song move. These these songs are not are not stationary things like you like you know those like rigs that a director uses that like brings the camera around so so like the motion of the scene is also added by this like this energy of the camera moving along yeah. that's that's the this these songs the song like rock and roll m- moves on multiple dimensions yeah. it's just alive it's like kinetic it's alive this is another one though that i would say uh, i wouldn't treat this as a, a solid onboarding not, a, not an onboarding for <laughs> sure but uh, again uh, to the initiated oh buddy is it a track yeah uh, I, yeah, I, I, all around, uh, not that many notes on this one other than I dig it. <laughs> I dig it. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. 
It's uh, it's it's good, it's good noise. I mean, good I, noise. Uh, the Daft Punk, are, they as a group are great composers and musicians, but they're also great sound designers. They're just playing with noise. This is a noise track. Yeah, and those skills don't always overlap, yeah. and they so can do both. I don't know a ton about music production or people uh, on the backside of putting this shit together, but this is like. This is like wall of noise time, right? Yeah. This is the time where like rock bands were like, we you need a wall of it's noise. Yeah, huge, fourteen yeah. freaking guitar right? tracks and so stuff like, or whatever. Like Weezer, it's like the beginning and, of the loudness wars. Yeah, where we're going to like compress, well, like Rick Rubin or whatever, right? Yeah. And it was like these producers was like, we need a rolling wall of noise. Yeah, and like Daft Punk has taken that idea. Uh, and made it groovy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's a, it's just a fun. It's it. I like noisy stuff. I love dance music. noisy stuff. I love noisy stuff. Yeah, too. anything like around the world is not a noise track. No, right. This is just a noise. But I just need. I need a nice deep track to just quiet my brain. Yeah. <laughs> anything. I need something louder than my yeah. Brain. I need something to to pipe down my own thoughts. And Daft Punk gives me a lot of stuff to think about, so I don't have to. Deal with whatever else is going this on up there. This out a lot of other things. Yeah, this is this is some of the best music to drown out dark thoughts that's ever existed. It's brainwasher music. Yeah, yeah, and they make a whole song about that eventually. <laughs> oh, yeah. They make a whole song about just washing your brain, and I get it, and I want oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, speaking of oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> speaking of oh, yeah. Nailed it. Next track. Oh, yeah. Boy, oh boy. Boy, oh boy. So, again, like we were talking about the the um, WDPK song or whatever, the, like kind of intro track. This is short. It's sweet. Any other th- al- or any other band, any other album, this would just be a throwaway transition from one track to another. Yeah. And, th- like, this is kind of that here, but it friggin' moves. Yeah. And it's another one that, that, I think we really see it, it, it elements of this track shine in again I'm going to say it again Alive yeah. 2007. This is another one that we get to see I think more in in the setting it's made for in that live uh live show. Um uh, because this is another one that makes me I hear the oh yeah and I'm just like oh jeez I can't gum, wait till the next gum, time gum. I'm listening to Alive yeah. 2007 again. It's uh, fun. which is not part of Alive 2007 but that that ba- Gong, yeah, gong, it just hits gong. so damn hard. Yeah, that's got that that baseline has G funk energy. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. So this one, uh, um, the the voices you hear are DJ D Lat and DJ Crab, featured on the track. Crab dudes, the crab dude, DJ D, DJ Crab dudes. Uh, shout out to Mannequin too. Uh, <laughs> go check out those shout crab out to dudes. Them. Ten seconds from that movie. Shout out to Ten Seconds from the movie Mannequin crab. Two, featuring the crab dudes in the club. Crab. Just, just a group of friends that inexplicably <laughs> walk low and dif- refer to themselves as the crab dudes. Having low body language is very cool. Well, how, yeah, well, however low you can get your body. Crab ran Cra- groove. Cat- <laughs> this, this is some, these are some of the crabbiest rangoobs I've ever. Heard. <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, next track. Yeah, here we go. Burn it. Oh, yeah. 
this is just like classic nineties yeah. house sound. Oh, body. oh yeah. Those oh zippers. Body. Man. Yeah. The, the, yeah, the laser, that laser noise. Yeah. Uh, the the laser beams and from then, the side noise, as I like to uh, call it. Eventually them. I didn't oh, have yeah. it in the sample, but the the big the big tube noise is the doom 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 doom. Oh yeah. I listen, of all the noises in the world, when it sounds like in a house song that somebody's hitting the top of a big tube yeah. with something flat, that's one of my favorite noises <laughs> in noise. the world. Let's like take the, you to the Blue Man Group. One yeah, I, like, <laughs> I have I have seen the Blue Man Group live at Van Andel Arena in Grand Rapids, oh, Michigan. Wow. You better believe I bought a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> doom, 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 doom. I love tube noises. I I think the like the zippery lasery yeah. synth like compounded with the the baseline moving up. The way it's like offset feels like the track is always moving up. Yeah. Right? Because it yeah. starts climbing in the baseline and then they the hit other, the zipper and it feels like it's the climbing. The other thing further. they do here that they don't do um many other tracks is that first point where they hit the break where they've built and you feel it happening. Yeah. They hold back and they and they uh, uh so they they hit the brake but they they don't let it hit and they they right. it's such a satisfying moment yeah. where every other track they've kind of groomed you to to feel that big build and boom and here it hits and they're like da, 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 and it like they yeah. it makes you hold back yeah. i that anxious feeling of ah, and that, you know it's going to come eventually they um, do that that like this is a really good payoff uh from holding back the brake here you say that in these songs, it's kind of the opposite of drops, right? Right. Yeah. They, they just let they're it not build. Not drops. They're, yeah, they're built until it. It is the best part of the song is three minutes into the same yeah. groove when it's just as loud as it, I mean, yeah, they, it they, is they, not they, that the uh, like current house music is all about a breakdown. They're not breaking anything down here. Right. They're building to. They're building and bringing into and focus. I feel like yeah. that like that, tension release build. Focus. I feel like that current drop mentality is really born of like the hardcore scene. I think that's the hardcore scene. Yeah. You know, the, the dubstep and, the, and the influence, in, yeah, the influence uh, of the influence dubstep. onto dubstep. Uh, but I think a lot of a lot of the the, the dubstep drops come from that that hardcore yeah. era. Yeah. I think. Uh, I, I mean, no, but, I, yeah. that's but, a big part of it. But I, I, I mean, techno has its own yeah level of of breakdown and drop. But it's not. It's not. It's not what. It's, it's it has become its own thing because yeah. of that. And I, I think agree. one of the things that like um uh, so 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 you know if we're we're going to say like around the world is one of the the best onboarding points and rolling and scratching is somewhere on the you know you need to be initiated. I would put a song like Burning uh, somewhere in the middle of there. Where where it has If you the, if somebody's on of, yeah, if somebody's like, "Ooh, this is interesting." Yeah. You're like, "What about this?" What about this? And then you can kind of dig a little deeper. And again, I'm going to say this the exact uh, the exact same thing. I think this song is on best display uh, in that live uh, in that uh live 2007 uh setting. Again, I I think it is one of those songs that I don't I don't I, I, there's not a song on this 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 album I don't like. Uh, right. So when I say this isn't one that I particularly love, I don't mean that I don't like it because I right. do. I'm saying it, we're judging it on Daft Punk standards, right? Yeah. Uh, everything is 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 some variation of an A grade here. So uh, what I'm gonna say is I would put Burnin' as one of those tracks on this this album that I don't necessarily love as a track, but I love it as a part of 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 the whole. Uh, I, I do. I, I, I love it when it comes on. I love it in a mix. Uh, it's Darren great. has said some 
the closest thing to a negative thing about Daft Punk in the <laughs> We're history. Get, and if this is the me. lowest he's A grade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lowest A grade. You're, you're dead to me because everything is uh, actually A+. Plus. Yeah, right. Never a wild a... view of things. Every song is an A+. Plus. <laughs> Every I have song, no... Listen, uh, as somebody who's uh, looking at this music critically for the next 15 weeks, uh, I don't think that they've ever put out anything that's less than an A+. And plus. I don't, again, I, I, don't I think, think... that's how I, I view don't, the world. If this, if this song comes yeah. on, on my Spotify or something, I'm not turning it off. Yeah, Don't no. get me wrong. No, I'm not yeah. even going to consider turning it off. Uh, but again, um, this is one like 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 that like Devin has said uh, plenty of times on and, and while we're just talking about Daft Punk, you know, this is an era of Daft Punk that is made to layer, that is made to groove, that is made for for uh, for a, a mix. It's made for a live show. Really? It's not it's not made to be that 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 uh, cinematic album that they will later yeah. have. And I think we see that in songs like Burn It. Yeah. Um, and we see that in reuses of samples because the reason they would reuse samples is because they weren't necessarily tying these samples to specific songs when they were cutting them. Yeah. They were building up their repertoire of stuff to use for these legendary like live shows that they were doing. Um, and I think, yeah, like I said, a song like Burnin' uh, I think is a good example of that. Yeah. Um, Next and I love, I love it. I love it. Love Next it. track. Uh, so we actually, uh, Darren just talked himself into Burnham being an A-plus track, and I think that that's canon now. Yeah, it's canon. <laughs> uh, <laughs> next track, <laughs> Indo Silver Club. <laughs> They are already the best at like uncorking something. Yeah, they don't. Ju- they don't like. They build tension and they and they uncork it. This is. I'll just. This is one of my favorites. Uh, I mean, this is one of my favorites of theirs. Anything. Yeah, I agree with you on that one. I love tune. Indo Silver Club. Um, so this one was uh, released as a two part single, like Indo Silver Club Part One and Part Two, uh, a A side, B side. Uh, as a single under the Soma record label before they made it the switch to Virgin. Weirdly, there was no song by credit on the sleeve. So people like like early on Daft Punk fans started to speculate that there was a producer or team called called Indo Silver Club. And this was just like uh, Daft Punk releasing somebody yeah. else's work. So th- like there was a rumor around the rave scene at this point that like Indo Silver Club was its own thing. Uh, um, uh, and then, um, it was released as a track on, on homework and that cleared up all the confusion. The sample is Karen Young's song, uh, a song, Hot Shot, Love, Indo Silver Club. It's just, oh God, it's just such a, it's like, it's a good tune. But yeah, like, um, yeah, that is like, um, uh, whatever. We'll, (laughs) we'll move on. I, I, yeah. Uh, Alive is the next track. Yeah, what a superior right. version of, of the new wave. Yeah, man. I I when I was listening to the new wave, it, I hadn't listened to that song a whole ton, and I was like, man, this really slaps. And it, this is just a reminder of what that track was meant. to Yeah, be, I think I think it this, like if you want to hear these young kids just get better at this music, listen to the new wave in this right in quick succession because it's just it really it's just a testament to how 
they're developing an ear for it and learning how to put these tracks together. Because the new wave is fun. Yeah. This is literally God. a second draft the, of that song. This is just so industrial sounding. Yeah. It's yeah. so good. The, and the urgency that is created by these sounds is remarkable. Like I can close my eyes and for some reason I see like a freaking like 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 cyberpunk style car chase or something yeah. it's like this yeah, they create paints, a mood yeah this paints a cinematic picture and from a song like alive i could you you, you can see how they could go on in a very different way but it, how they could go on to to do yeah. a movie score or something like that because this right. on on this album this is the song that creates so a, a fucking I, just a mood, a mood yeah. unlike anything else on this album. Already, I think. They're already developing techniques that are new and revolutionary, and will be used still to this day. Uh, so, Indo Silver Club and this both, you can hear. There's there's these um, things where the bass kicks in loud, and it it like uh, warps the sound of the rest of it almost. Mm-hmm. So like the the beat kind of. Mm-hmm. That's called side chaining. Yeah. Um, which is something I'm I don't know enough about. You you mentioned it. Yeah. I, I don't know enough about uh production and stuff, but this is something that uh a lot of people still don't know how to do properly. And Daft Punk with their with like feeding stuff through boom boxes and shit uh in their bedroom were were like using music and sound to warp other things into making new mu- sounds. So the, I know for this record, and I don't think they use it on Discovery. They use um, this compressor by Alesis. That's it's actually not a very good compressor. They're really cheap. And I, if you are interested, I think you should go out and buy one. It's the thirty six thirty. They're like fifty bucks, but it has this really incredible side chain. Uh, on it so basically what what you do is you plug a signal into this compressor that has the drums in it and then the compressor is compressing the the sample or the bass or whatever so whenever the kick drum triggers the rest of the song gets a little quieter for Mm. a second so it it allows the kick drum to shine through and it gives the feeling of this like pulsating thing to the rest of the track and like the side chain on this on this track is so good you just feel it like just warbling it's just it's really really incredible Mm. i really love that sound yeah this i think alive should have been the closer yeah funk ad comes in uh it's like a skit yeah it's just uh, it's a cute, it's cute, it's a cute way to like tie everything in. It's this is quite literally just defunct in reverse. Um, that's uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I like. I, there's a lot of stuff that sounds cool in reverse. I like listening to some of this, some of these tracks in reverse, and you can use this effect on controllers and stuff. Yeah. And that like, I don't know. I like. I would love to hear the reverse of that mixed into something because it is yeah. a very cool it's noise. a cool no- it's a cool I noise really and it like kind of just like it's like this effect of like sucking the record back up because again this is like you know house music is kind of meant to be disposable and they c- hit their their record with a button where it's just kind of all being sucked back up it's cool but the it's i think a little cool down at the end of the night like a little chaotic 
it's yeah. it's so much better to have a little cooldown at the end of the night than for just the lights to come on and you fi- figure out how <laughs> fucked up everybody is. Yep, you have to that, see everybody. You have to see everybody sweaty. Everybody alive, has to see man, you. Man, there's a reason alive is a closer on alive too. Yeah, that thing it's is a closer. A, it is a yeah, just a. Wall. I think if like Defunct like Funk Ad is the technical close. I think Alive is the record closer. They added this on on the end, but I, I still think these guys become masters of the album closer. Uh, too long, even emotion, yeah. uh, specifically contact, uh, is are like perfect album closers. In a way, and this thing isn't is. written to be an album closer. Yeah, you know, this is like their first single. That's yeah. really, it's wild to watch it morph from you know the new wave as their first single to being the closer of their album. Yeah, and it it gains that quality when they change it. Absolutely, be, man. I yeah, I think. Song. Yeah, I think like the new wave listening to it, I'm like, oh, this is this moves, this is great. And then I listen to this, and it's like just the idea of how much richer and fuller. And not that the new wave is thin or anything, but it sounds thin compared to what yeah. they make yeah. it. Uh, and they're yeah. you can just hear them getting better and better at, it's, at it. It's, it's it's very interesting to like 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 I mentioned before. It's very interesting to evaluate Daft Punk on Daft Punk standards, uh, which is very 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 cool. It's very <laughs> cool to see them, um, to see them be the only group that can outdo the things they've created in the past and yeah. to grow off of it. Uh, and that's very, very, uh, very much out front in a song like Alive, um, and, which, again, I think is 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 the closer here. Um, yeah. So here we are. Homework. Here we are. Went through track by track. We heard a little bit about the history. Fellas, do you have a favorite song I'm gonna, off this record? Um, I, I can jump in on this one. I'm gonna do it, you guys. I'm gonna do it. I've I've switched my favorite song over the course of the last week for uh, I think uh, to about seven or eight different songs. And I'm after this, after talking about it, I'm going with I'm, I'm just going with around the world. I'm gonna go with around the go. world. I gotta do it uh, because for me, I think that it is. Ugh, it's just you know it. You know it right away, regardless of of of, of denial. Regardless of you know, I'm not somebody who grew up thinking that I know Daft Punk that well, you know, but I know that song. I've known that song and I've never had a bad word or thought about that song. <laughs> uh, if that was the only thing I ever heard by Daft Punk, they're all right by me. Yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, and like I said, I think thinking about it in terms of, of finding an, an onboarding point, a way to get more people in to elevate the music. And if that's their goal, if their goal is to make it about the music, um, I think that they, they found a level of perfection with that song uh, and probably changed that song specifically um, independent of, of, of the effect that the rest of the songs in this album uh, before and, and before and after yeah. independent of that, I think around the world, I would bet probably onboarded more people into this genre of music oh, yeah. than just about any other noise ever created. Yeah. I like the build I think is one of the best in house Absolutely. music history that, that the beat snapping into focus is yep. one of my favorite moments uh, uh, in any Daft Punk song, and, and you know, I, I know we're not going to talk about the video, but I would say the video again is is is, it, it's the only thing that could make that song better is the video for yeah. that song. Um, Favorite yeah, track? I, I think I think around the world is Whoa. is probably it. Two. I, mean, I think it's just quintessential Daft Punk. Yeah, quintessential Daft Punk. Yeah, I it really know. is. I, I that was that was such an entry point for me. 
and I, I never get tired of it. Never. Yeah, yeah. It's so simple, but you, I like. I will like. I will never get tired of that song. No matter how many times I hear it, I'm always gonna groove. Yeah. I'm gonna say that my favorite. I think after every, everything, I think it's Revolution 909. Yeah. Uh, I think that that song is just is like a new level of composition for this music that it's just. It all comes together so beautifully, uh, and I like I, like that the uh, the idea of building the energy of a rave around a song. We've talked about it for a few different ones, but literally hearing the that crowd, yeah, the crowd noise, and then the panic of the police raid build into a, a song that then becomes something totally new and interesting. Uh, I I just think I think that is just a different level of genius uh, that um, uh, I really and it's one that I like appreciate more and more every time I go back to this record. I appreciate Revolution 909 more and more. Um, Sleeper, one track that you think should get more play from this record, uh, or that you just you just think people should be like. Yay, we all love that punk, but this one, wh- why does this one give our love? Uh, I'm going Phoenix. I'm going Phoenix on that one. Uh, I'm going Phoenix because I, that's one. Uh, I, it just makes me feel groovy and happy. Uh, and I, I can't, uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know what it is about that song. That just song, that song makes me just feel so Good. I think I, that's fresh for me. Is the yeah. one that just makes me yeah. feel good. On the I was inside. gonna say. I think high fidelity, and they're all Ooh. the same. They're yeah. all the yeah. same right. thing. Those right? like those, that, what we that like about light, it is that filtered disco. Yeah. Like that. W- that like EQ'd the warm shit. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like a warm fuzzy. Right. That yeah. So kind of wraps you in a blanket. Yeah. It, it's it's very it's very weird because Phoenix Fresh and High Fidelity were my three sleepers that I, I was considering and switching back and forth, and my three favorites were. Around the world, the funk and Revolution nine oh nine, and those were the ones that were just interchangeable for me uh, all, I think all week. The three we're talking about, you know, sleepers. They're all the same kind of right. track, yeah, and exactly. They are all, they're in our wheelhouse. They're all as, they're as all, a crew. I don't know. This is this is a. I don't know if Daft it's like, Punk is going to revisit. Yeah, yeah, it is. She goes to church. Music. It really yeah. is. It's that. It's got that. You know, it's 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 it is it it should be wimpy for some reason. It should be wimpy. It 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 is that quote you read. There's nothing about that song that I would put into the the sounds that I think would make up right. a great song. But it's everything I don't like put together in a way that makes me love it. I guess. Do we stop on? Did do we step over your point? Did you? No. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, also, I think my sleeper, I think, is Indo Silver Club. Yeah. Uh, Man, that's a great track. That's a great track. Uh, I like it's an undeniable track. It should get more play because um, like it sounds timeless. Like not not that any of this sounds dated, uh, um, the, but you know, like the scratching and stuff uh, on this record is something that will kind of fall away from house music. Uh, um, yeah, you never really hear that. You don't. Yeah. Time. So th- th- like the way Daft Punk does it, it it's it all. None of this sounds like ooh, that was that's a '90s song, but like Indo Silver Club is timeless in a way that this would groove on any dance track on any dance floor in the world at any point. I love that song. Yeah, I love it. We thought as we build this, and hopefully, um, 
get more and more people onto not only Daft Punk but dance music in general, uh, we would close out every um, episode with a track that each of us is listening to outside of Daft Punk that is, is become an earworm for us. Some of them will be brand new. Some of them will just be stuff that we love. Some of them will be like this. This this song came back into my life this week, and I can't get it out of my head. Uh, whatever is tickling us in the the world of dance music is, is we're gonna highlight it. Uh, each of us, uh, uh, Darren, what was your pick this week? Uh, I'm going, I'm going Detroit. I'm going Detroit all the way. I'm going Dirty Bird Records. I'm going 2015 Claude Monstroke uh, album Barump. The song San Fran by way of Detroit. Uh, the Claude Father himself. Make a cake. Ooh. Detroit raised. San Francisco launch the Claude Father, Von Stroke, father of Dirty Bird Records, one of the greats, probably my favorite DJ to see live. Yeah, I've um, probably seen him. I've probably seen D- Claude more than any other music artist ever. Claude. Uh, so, so we've mentioned on. Uh, so my my reason for this song, you guys, I think it's just it is oh, it is a phenomenal track. But for me. Uh, uh, in my reluctance to, uh, to, 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 to accept EDM uh, <laughs> electronic music in any way, uh, Claude was really the, the turning point for me. Uh, with uh, he makes weird music. He makes super weird he make, music. He, he like burps into the microphone yeah. and then warps it into music, and you're like, I know that was a burp. I know. I know that that was a human burp, and he made um, music out of it. Claude, Claude, <laughs> for me, uh, you know, uh, was 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 underneath the mainstream at a certain level uh and it was the first thing that that i i really found and i was like oh i i i really like Ooh, this I and it's like i don't it. need the qualifier i like a qualifier i like this for electronic music this is just sounds i like yeah um and then from there i really my my interest in electronic music uh just really I'd, took one off. of my one of the first like raves i ever went to somebody spun uh, uh, who's afraid of Detroit? And I didn't know, like, it was one of my first experiences in like a, a rave, and I heard that, and I was like, I don't know what that was. Uh, nobody can tell me what it was. I need, I need to figure it out, and I could, like, it's so hard to search tracks. You like, you get home and you're like, what's the one that's like, it's so hard. And I, like, randomly, like, working at one night um that came up on my like just spotify randomly and i, was like, I found it i fucking found it uh i can't believe it and and claude claude's been my like favorite dj ever since love him uh devin you got uh prospa yeah with dj prospa seinfeld. seinfeld a fresh track yeah this just came out uh, a week or two ago prospa rips man they it's a couple guys from like reading or leeds or whatever and they just make classic rave sounding tracks. Yeah, listen to this. Yeah, yeah this is like this is like 1998 right here. Yeah. This is a couple folks who bought a couple like weird pills from some yeah. 
guy in a windbreaker in the parking lot. <laughs> this, this, this is tracksuit music. Yeah. This is tracksuit music. You're like your friend was like, I don't know if we should talk to that guy in the windbreaker, but he, but he's yelling that he's got two for fifteen, and you're oh, like, yeah. we, we might as well, and you fall into a night. That's that music. Seinfeld, uh, DJ Seinfeld collaborated with Prospa on um, a remix of Prayer. A year or two ago, Kevin Minor got me into that. Yeah. That thing rips. Uh, th- that Swedish little Prince of House yeah. music. That, and... that like that um, that keyboard noise, yeah. like that cheap keyboard noise. Beep, beep, beep. That's Absolutely. like that's '90s music right here. Love it. We saw DJ Seinfeld at oh, TV yeah. Lounge in Detroit. We saw DJ Seinfeld on TV. <laughs> DJ Seinfeld. <laughs> we saw Seinfeld on TV. Uh, I love when DJ Kramer bur- bursts into his set <laughs> unexpectedly. Yeah, man. We saw DJ I love Seinfeld. how mad DJ Seinfeld gets at DJ Newman. <laughs> yeah, we saw DJ Seinfeld at yeah. rerun after school. <laughs> uh, this is what I got for you folks this week. This is my obsession. James Orvis. This track just came out last July. That's this is warehouse music. Yeah, no, that's warehouse music. This this music, this is music that I'm nervous to let my mom know I listen to. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah, I remember. I I I can't let my mom know I'm listening to this. (laughs) This is too groovy. Yeah, that's great. Some people. Oh yeah, this 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 is the music. Like every bad guy in every movie <laughs> listens to this music. Yeah, right. That he that hangs is out like, in a he does all his business in a club that's very loud yeah. and it's playing this yeah. music. Yeah, that, that like like representation. The only time you he, hear dance music in in like if you see raves or are. are shown any type of rave culture in a mu- movie you're in a bad place you're in a layer you're in a you're bad in some place something layer. bad is happening like there's sh- there's stuff that's happening in the back room that shouldn't be happening you have to usually you have to walk through somebody's, a rave so, to get to some bad somebody's, guy somebody's dad is forcing their way through a rave <laughs> to get to their daughter who's been drugged like it's like always bad or like like I, I we're watching search party right now and like one of the bad guys in it loves dance music it's yeah. like of course he does. Of course like, he does. Uh, um, uh, I want to. I want to make a movie where all the good stuff happens at raves. Yeah, no, we should make that movie. <laughs> yeah, where th- this dark, this li- like this is happening, but good stuff is happening around it. Yeah, because as as dark and evil as this sounds, it's actually good to me. It's actually it good. Funny. Yeah, I mean the thing we like. Going to is it starts it's scary. after midnight and yeah. ends in the morning and everyone behaves I, during those hours by staying up on I stuff that makes them. I can't imagine being the there's maybe one person ever that walked into their first rave and was not scared a little bit. <laughs> you're like the first time you walk into a rave, you're probably you're gonna be a little nervous because because like what what is going on and. Why are people enjoying these noises? Yeah, the, they all seem to be having a really good time. And if, so er, if, this, if this many people is having this good of a time, something bad is probably happening here. That's just like American. Why are, why are everyone's keys so smelly? Yeah. Why are they? Why? why are they, what? Everyone has water bottles. Yeah. 
What is why? Oh, why is there so much gum chewing happening? Oh jeez. <laughs> why is everyone's neck so hot? <laughs> what like what is going on there? T-shirts around their necks. Yeah. Why is everyone's neck so hot? Oh jeez. Um. Uh. But um. Yeah. Uh. That's. Uh. Look those up. Those are our featured songs of the week. And we'll send be back. Some stuff you're listening to. Yeah, yeah, if absolutely. You're cool shit. Send it to us. Send it. I, I'm so always looking for new music. We've got we've got our Facebook. We've got our Instagram. You can tra- tag us on there. Uh, info at at alive twenty twenty one dot com. Uh, send us yeah. Send us music you're grooving to. If you think we we would like it, we might feature it uh, in this segment on one of our episodes. Also. If you heard something that I might have misquoted or you think I got something wrong or I, uh, I omitted something on accident, I am but one man researching my favorite band, and I'm sure that there's interesting stuff I've missed. Let us know. Info at alive2021.com. Uh, if you have a, a fun, interesting Daft Punk story, if you know somebody that knows them or if you're a, a producer that worked if on something. If they're your cousins. If they're your cousins. You want us to hang out with if, them. If you're, <clears throat> if you're, yeah, if you're like a, a, a French guy who, who's got an Uncle Tomas that makes music and you're like, I think that uh, they, they he would find these people very charming and maybe maybe get us in front of him. Do do any of that. Send us stuff at alive2021.com. Yeah. We want to hear all of it. Uh, I want, yeah, I want, I'm trying to learn as much as I can about these guys. So if you think that I missed something, I want to hear about it. We want to hear about your cool stories. We, like I said, we might feature, feature you on the show. If your story's cool enough, we, you might be, a, a get on for a little guest slot. Um, but yeah, we're just celebrating, um, Daft Punk. So, uh, we want you to celebrate with us. And the way you can do that is contact us through our social media or, or our email and, uh, and tell us some cool shit about these guys. Yeah. Uh, one more time about us. Uh, my name's Darren Shelton. Uh, you can get me at uh, my my internets on the internet are uh, just my handles at the most Darren on just about everything. Uh, also, I, I I stream I stream daily uh, over on Facebook Gaming. You can check me out there. Uh, DSG Gaming. I'm Andy Reed uh, on Twitter. I'm Dr Good Tweets. Doctor Good Tweets. Um, check me out. Uh, I'm Devin Rosenai, and uh, you can get me on Twitter at uh, Devin Rosenai, D-V-A-N-R-O-S-N-I, and on MySpace at myspace.com slash losing my favorite game. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that the, that's going to do it, and we'll yeah. be back next week. With- so, yeah, we're not done We're not done with the homework area yet. Uh, we're going to do uh, the Daft videos uh, tomorrow, uh, next week. We're going to do a Live 97 the week after that and talk about all their cool tech stuff and their what their live show looked and sounded like around this time and then three weeks from now the one every, fucking everybody's favorite at record discovery <laughs> one more time we're gonna yeah we're gonna rediscover that one one more time hell yeah we will catch you next week yeah and help us celebrate daft punk around the world around the world around the world around the world Hello, everyone. Alive 2021 is a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network and was created by Andy Reid, developed by Andy Reid, Devin Rosenai, and Darren Shelton, with technical production by Darren Shelton. For more information, please visit Alive2021.com.